it's a tongue twister today. I've got Paddy Maloney and Peter Mahoney. Try and yeah. say that fast <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> so we've got the wild man co-interviewing Paddy. And he's got a book coming out called The Altar Boy, right? Yeah, The Altar Boy, yeah. So the link to your book will be in the description box below the video if people want to click down. This is kind of an exclusive because you've not spoke to many people before, have you? No, no, I haven't, no. So you're from Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough, yep. What's it like growing up there? Middlesbrough, it's completely different now. But for me growing up there... As, as a child, my first memory is a place called Cannon Street. Cannon Street was a they're all terraced houses, two up, two down, no bathroom, that sort of thing. Every town and every city will have had one. Uh, I don't really remember much of it. Like outside toilets? Yeah, outside like toilets, tin bath on the wall, yeah. that sort of stuff. <laughs> I don't really remember much of it. My, my only memory from there is my dad one day ran in the uh, he won the uh, Young Bird Race, Pigeon Race. Oh, right. And they come in with loads of money and... Yeah. That was just one memory I remember. Everything else is vague. Did have washing machines? Did have one of them things where you oh, put your yeah, clothes in and go like that, don't you? Hostel, yeah, yeah. yeah, ring machine, yeah, you did, yeah. You all just get the bath together. But then we, it must have been heaven for me, mum and dad. We moved to a place called Groveville, which was a council estate. It had a front garden, back garden, bathroom, two toilets. So like it was heaven. Posh, Posh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we thought it was, yeah. Uh, and that's where I started growing up. There, I went to school there, Saint Joseph's. It was, a, it was a nice estate, it was quiet, it was safe, it was friendly. And uh, it was just one of them places where, where it was different from Callan Street, from what I can remember of Callan Street. I used to, the school was on the corner, the church was on the corner. My dad was a practising Catholic. Yeah. So we had to go to church. And uh, I had two older sisters, Eileen and Pat. So wherever, whatever school I went to, whatever you had, they were always there before me. So I was always okay. I always felt safe and comfortable. And I, I remember St. Joseph's, it was a nice school, I enjoyed it. And uh, it was later on, as we moved on through the infants to the juniors, with going to church and that, I was very quiet at school. Yeah. And I never volunteered for anything, I never put my hand up for anything. I just... You just got on with it. Yeah, I just went with the flow, yeah. And uh, there was a teacher called uh, Mary McLatton, English teacher, and she talked to me. And uh, before I knew it, I was an altar boy. That's where ends the book, the altar boy. Ah, right. And I used to be an altar boy. I absolutely loved it. You know, you had your, your cassocks on on the weekend and yeah. that. And your little ring in the bell and that. Walking the Corpus Christi. And it was great. And I never I never missed mass. We used to always go as a family. Until one day... you got access to the wine as well, haven't you? Yeah, 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 the wine. Yeah, yeah. Change the wine, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was too young then. I like a glass now. Yeah. But what, what happened was, I, I come home from school one day... And I'm in the passage and Miss McLatton's in there with one of the priests. I can't remember the priest's name. But they were talking about me, so I stopped and listened. And it was some sort of talk. I'd have been about in third year juniors. And uh, there was some talk about letting them go to a boys' school and things like that. And, like, you know, talk of being a priest and that. Well, you know, like, that wasn't what I was... Yeah, you, you... I enjoyed being a older boy, but being a priest was, like... So I'm all a shit myself, really. And I went out, they didn't know I'd heard them. And I stopped going to the altar then. So yeah. I stopped going, started missing it, and started getting girls to call for me. Like, I'd say to them, do us a favour, knock on the door and call for me. And I'd like, and yes. I, 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 I rebelled a little bit then. Well, you would, wouldn't you? you yeah, I did yeah. yeah. Even then, you, you think you're a pussy, aren't you? Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean? yeah. But like, being, I mean, 
the all about part was good because everyone accepted it. It was like not today you wouldn't be accepted. You, you'd be a puff, you'd be a fanny boy, you know. But then Groveville, I mean, we used to play care ball. It was a lovely place. And then we, Mum decided to move to the top end of Groveville. This was just as I was going into first year seniors. And the top end of Groveville was a little bit more wilder. I think, I mean, even today, if you're an old boy and you're from that family where it's yeah. religion, your mum and dad would be proud, so you're proud. Oh, the way, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I was briefly an altar boy. Was, yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, helping the priest, he used to give the communions yes, out yeah. and standing at the side of the church yeah. and all that stuff. They yes. wouldn't have me. Yeah. <laughs> St. Beads. No, it's one of my memories, you know. I look back on it and I wouldn't have changed it. I, I would have, even though whatever, I would never have changed it because it was a good part of my life. It was a nice part. And, and, and you're young, you're innocent, aren't you? Yeah. You're yeah. innocent. But then we moved to the top half of Groville. I went to first year seniors. And I'd met some lads up that end, the likes of the lad called Peter Dinsdale and that. He had his little gang. I joined his gang. And that's when we started getting up to Mischief. And then we used to go land swiping. I don't know if you know what land swiping no. is. No, no. You've never done land swiping? No. Done like robbing apples and stuff. Yeah, we've done that. That was that was like Scrumping. that was ages ago. We did yeah. that. When we progressed to land swiping, we go to the posh estates, and in them days you never had no washing machines. Oh, did they had to design the clothes. Yeah, they had no washing machines and no dryers, so everything went on the land. Ah. So you'd go and you'd, you'd pinch off the posh estates. You know, you'd see what and, size it is and go yeah. and get it. And you go on with all the posh clothes. Yeah, that's what we progressed to. I'd then end up coming on with bras and knickers. <laughs> oh, Sweats. You're, yeah. you're Simon. Yeah. Yeah. They're now. They worst. Yeah. Nearly fucking stealing knickers off Fitbird's lines. Right. I've heard of that. We've yeah. never done that. We've never done that. But, uh, but then when I was at school up in St. Thomas's and there was quite a few lads there uh, went to St. Thomas's from Groville, but it was Catholic and Protestant school, so everyone yeah. got divided then. And there was a massive influx from a place called Over the Border. It's uh, it's called Satan Ilders, and mainly at St. Thomas's first year when I, when I went there, there were many from that area. So I got to know a few of them, and uh, it just progressed from there. I wasn't, I never played football, I wasn't very sporty, but this kid Norman, I would not shut out, they called him, he was going about boxing all the time. They had a boxing gym over there, yeah. So I started going there, and it was a no go area over the border. If you went from over the border, you couldn't go over there because I went with Nosher. And a few more lads from school, I started to get accepted. Yeah. So I started to hang about over there a lot more. So you wouldn't get chased off or anything? No, though. no. But if you went, if you if went, went on them, your own, like, yeah, yeah, you didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's a really bad part. It's uh, just behind the railway station in Middlesbrough. It's all derelict now. It's all mainly all locked down. But I was accepted. And I spent most of my youth over there, you know. Why were you interested in fighting? Had you been in some situations? The only fight I did not tell them was with my sister Eileen and she battered yeah. me and she battered me, yeah. I can imagine the sibling yeah. rivalry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our Eileen was a wild... Oh, Pat was a quiet one like me. Our Eileen was wild. And, yeah, she has filled me in a few times. So she motivated you to get some boxing skills? Oh, do you know what it was? It was just that I'd, I'd never... Uh, I don't know. When I first went, the first time I went to the gym, there was a man called Harry Round. He was the coach. And uh, all these kids were on the punch bags and skipping and that. And uh, Nosher introduced me to Harry, he wants the box. Right, okay then. So he threw me a pair of skipping ropes. Yeah. Right? I'd never seen a pair of ropes in my life. So I'm trying to skip, and you can imagine it was pathetic. And it broke the ice because everyone was laughing at me. <laughs> and I laughed along with them. So he went, yeah, yeah, put the skips away, shot me a pair of bag gloves. 
I mean, boxing's an art. Well, the coordination was that first yeah, art, didn't yeah. it? And like when you're boxing, I mean, I was pathetic. So that was a joke. But I enjoyed it and I started going and we took it quite serious. And I've become quite decent. I was quite a decent boxer. But then over the border, like after the gym had finished, I'd stay over there and we'd, we'd hang about on the street corners. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lad called Terry Dixon, who Jamie Balls wrote a book about. He's, he was notorious as being a mischievous fella. What we done, we uh, we started hanging about together. And my first little bit of trouble was we used to go out tatting. Have you heard of tatting? Tatting, no. Tatting. You go out, you go out and uh, you go on an awesome cart and collect scrap round the. Oh, around okay, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we took it to a further thing. We used to hire the awesome cart of a family called the Arkers. They were, they were like travellers. So we'd get the awesome cart on the morning, but the night before, we'd have gone out pinching. Yeah. And we'd have pinched all the steel from the from wherever. Hit it. And then, and go, then go, go and pick it yeah. up. So we weren't going Way on. Wait off. Yeah. yeah, we used to wait. Then we used to like make quite a decent living for kids. What about getting lead off roofs? No, we never had a bagel, like things like that. It was mainly like there was a place called the Green Hill. It was a, it was a where the, the trains used to take the, the, the steel and that to the steel works. And there was always stuff lying about on the Green Hills. You no, know, like tracks. You no, know, the yeah. track that was old and put it up. We'd take all that. And we'd wait in. You're not doing it wrong, are you, really? No, no. But we, then we went on. There was a place called North Ormsby in Middlesbrough. It was uh, it's just off this town centre, and they're all terraced houses. It was getting refurbished. Mm-hmm. And in them, they used to have uh, cast iron baths, lead boxes outside in the toilet. Worth a few quid. Yeah, and these were all empty. So we decided to spend six weeks around there. Well, <laughs> six weeks till we got caught. I'd get it down the stairs, just push it down. Like. Out, the, out the bathroom window. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sledgehammer, no, smash it first and shot out the window. <laughs> so, and uh, we were doing that for about six weeks and we eventually got caught. We used to like, we used to win about three times a day and we were on really, really good money. Yep. We were on more money than my dad. Mm, yeah. And he worked on the docks. And I don't know where the money went, we just spent it. Uh, but we got caught. A, a police officer come down and a little black Mariah and we'd, we'd have an hour dinner. Teddy Dixon had been for fish cake and chips or something. Yeah. So we'd all sat in the backyard having an hour dinner, like, you know, policeman comes up. All right, lads, what you up to? Tried to explain that we just found some scrap in the backyard and he went, we've been, what, you've been, the man from the Chinese has been watching for the last six weeks, you've been smashing them up and throwing them out. So we got arrested and uh, they put us in the cells. How old were you at that point? 14, I think, coming 14. up 15. <laughs> 14 year old, coming up 15. I was petrified because our mum and dad had to come and get us. Oh, yeah. And plus they'd, comp- they'd put the horse and cart in a compound. You know you're going to get a leathering, aren't you? Yeah, so the, the lad who was horse and cart is, is going to give us a leathering too. Yeah, Because yeah. that's in the police compound now. Uh, we got charged. We got charged with going equipped for theft with the horse and cart. That was the actual mm. charge. It's almost comical, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And uh, that was my first... I mean, I've gone, we've gone a long way from Groverville there, like... Like the innocent part and being an older boy, and I just don't know where to come from. He, he, I don't even think we thought we were doing anything wrong, you know. In a way, it's like I mean, it's just a derelict house. You're not actually going yeah. in and robbing anyone. No, are you? no, you know no. The house was completely empty. Yeah, you only taking yeah. what's there. Yeah. If you didn't take it, someone else would, wouldn't they? You know what I mean? I wish you would be in the judge. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would be in the judge. Yeah. But what happened was. I pleaded not guilty for some reason because I think what it was on the morning that, that morning we'd done it, we met at the cafe 
and the sledgehammer and the ball cutters that we used to use was already on, his, on the horse and cart under the carpet. Yeah. And I told my solicitor that. And he went, oh, you didn't know they were there, we go, no, not guilty. The other three played a guilty, they got, I can't remember, they got fines or something. I got Boston. Like, and I, God fucking hell, Boston. Six months or two, yeah, and I was 15 years old. Well, were you the eldest, or because you went not guilty? Because I went not guilty, I think. Bastards, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, because I went not guilty. He called me a, uh, the judge called me a, uh, was it a coward? He called me a coward for pleading not guilty. Like, I was I was only a kid, only 15 years old. What year was that, and what was Boston like? <sighs> Boston. Do you know something? Boston was okay. I went to an open Boston called Weatherby. Boston was... It was, was okay. I en- it sounds, I enjoyed Boston. Yeah. Because it was like being at school. I hadn't left school, see. I'm still at school. So it was like more or less school. But like, you stay there. Did get- they tattoo you them days? Because I met some guys when I was a kid. Yeah, and you can get tattoos in there, yeah. They, they had like a number tattooed on them. Yeah, you can do all stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. But when I, when I first got to Bo- Boston, okay. It's getting to Boston. Before you go to Boston, you've got to go to men's prisons. Yeah. Your first one's Durham. So a 15-year-old, I wasn't on my own. They had a YP landed in Durham. Like a dungeon, isn't it? it was, it's horrible. I mean, you're 15-year-old and you wake up and you're in a man's prison. And it was a it was a bad prison. It was Victorian. They had no toilets. You, you pissed and done your business in a pot. Yeah, yeah. And you did actually do that. And they come around with a, with an urn on a night time, give you a cup of tea and, and a rock cake. But you're in there with the likes of Paul Sykes. Paul Sykes was in there when I was in there. Do you want um, to explain to people who don't know who Paul Sykes is, who he is? Paul Sykes is from Wakefield. He fought for the British, uh, everywhere British title. I mean, he was notorious. He, he, was a, he was in his jail all his life. But the man was, he was a monster. He was a yeah. monster. And what the prison officers used to do, they would, they would threaten you with Paul Sykes. They would blackmail you, if you were, honestly. I mean, I honestly don't think it went on. And yeah. I've, n- I've never known any kid go to me, oh, Paul Sykes has done this to me last night. But the screws are coming. If you're carrying on like leaving your cell open, I'm leaving your cell open. Sykes is coming down to visit you. Like the boogeyman. What, you'd shit yourself, mate. You're 15 year old. Yeah. I mean, my grandson's now 12, 13, and I think, God, even you, you couldn't you couldn't go through that. Could all men and shit themselves if yeah. you thought Paul Sykes was yeah. coming to the fucking cell, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, he's dead now. He's dead now, like God rest him. But he was a monster, and I remember seeing him in there, and he, and he stood out and. He more or less ran the jail. He did run the jail. We have one up play up north called Purple Aki. Yeah, I've heard of Purple Aki, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's notorious. Yeah, I've heard of him, Big, yeah. huge black guy, like... Yeah. I've heard of him being a Walton, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to come around our town when we were teenagers. I actually yeah. got on with him for a bit. You know, yeah. he, he made me go out and swim once. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, he was on the same part as uh, yeah. Paul Sykes. But then when you think you've done it all, you think, right, I'm leaving Durham now. Then you'd go to strange ways. So you've been Durham for about four or five weeks before you go to Boston. Then you go to Strangeways, which is an allocation centre. Yeah. They would allocate to see which Boston you were going to. I was unlucky. I'd, I fell there just before Christmas, so I ended up staying there about about ten weeks in Strangeways. Uh, I thought Durham was allocation, because, like, no. walling up here, that's allocation. In, them, in Boston, Durham was just the old... That, that was the closest prison to you. Got yeah. Because you never had no warm house. Yeah. So they keep you there, and then they send you to Strangeways... Yeah, and, and strange ways. Stopped on Seas Home Houses and yeah. you one, isn't it? I've never been in there, Touchwood. I've been there, it's quite nice. Yeah, nice, yeah. I've fancied it. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Strange Ways was an experience. And then when you get allocated to your Boston, I got allocated to Weatherby, which is an open Boston. 
What year are we on now, roughly? I, I'm 15, so like I was born in 1957, so 72. Wow. 72, so... And I found... That's like proper, like prisons were prisons, like my yeah. shit, oh, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, they were bad. Yeah. They were really, really bad, yeah. So Borsal was a bit of a, like, thank God. Yeah. You know, and the, the prison officers didn't wear uniforms. It was like it was like a school. Yeah. But it's a very, very strict school. I think nowadays, like, the Borsal or the young offenders are worse than the prisoners. Yeah. Because they're all, like, knuckleheads just wanting to fight, prove one another, no one really. Gladiator school. Yeah. Well, when I was in Boston, you were scared of the prison officers. Yeah. I mean, you were literally petrified of them. You know what I mean? Where these days they're not. No. I mean... Did they, they mess with you, the guards, then, other than the uh, threatening to put you in with a cellmate? No, I, I think I think we'd only been 15-year-old. They'd shout at you, they'd make you scrub the floors, they'd make you do all the, all the stuff that the other prisoners wouldn't do. But I, I think, deep down inside, they knew you were only kids. Was there any wrongings, though, though? In the... As men, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It was an open prison then. I mean, like, I don't think they had, like... Uh, Non-segregation. No, I don't think they had segregation in there. I think if you were... If you That's were not, scary in itself, yeah, isn't it, fucking yeah. hell? Yeah, I think they'd just put them down the block out the way if, if yeah. they wanted to. But, yeah, I mean, i never seen none of that going on with the likes of Sykes and them. I don't believe it did happen. I think it was just a threat. A threat. Yeah. Did you get any fights? I, I had a... Uh, this, is, this is my first parcel, this. I've done two parcels. <coughs> When I got raised, I didn't have a fight at this Borstal, but the, on my second Borstal, yeah, I had two fights. What happened? I, I went to Borstal, I got released, I'd done about 14 months in Borstal, and I got out. And so, like, I'm now 16, just over 16, and I'm uh, running about the town, Middlesbrough Town Centre, you know, and hanging about outside pubs and nightclubs and stuff like that. And I got myself in a little bit more, a little bit more trouble. Uh, I got charged with a street robbery. Mm. There were some posh kids. Yeah, it was late, about one o'clock in the morning. Some posh kids were in this nightclub called Madison, which was a posh nightclub. I was outside the Speakeasy nightclub, which was a dive, and we were just hanging about. And there was a male lad called Steve or Cleo, they called him, and they were pushing us about a bit, a little bit of bullying and like. And we thought, no, no, no. So anyway, they went to the phone box and they were phoning the taxi, and we. We we attacked them, me and Stitch. Step on them. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing, actually, talking about it. But we, we took the jump, coat off one, jumper off one, shoes off the other. And obviously, I had a criminal record, so the police had my photograph. And about six days later, I got arrested for street robbery. And I got another barstool, which was a fresh whack, they call it. You either get a recall, which was six months, which you'd do for, or you get a fresh whack. And I got a fresh whack, so like it was, oh, my God. You were again. young then, mate. My first street robbery was when I was before I was twenty one. Yeah, I was downtown. I heard that there's these posh lads. They yeah. had these. I thought they had yeah. their pocket full yeah. of these. Yeah. So I called it befriending. I took him round the corner and fucking hit him. Yeah. And it was the wrong lad. It was he didn't have these at all. Yeah. But he dropped about two pound odd. Yeah. So I just thought I picked You're her up and got up, a yeah. picked her up and got a kebab. That's robbery. And. I, Got a two and a half years for street robbery for the Dominic mm. Web. <laughs> yeah. Some people watching might, might think As that, a kid. Yeah, that's you right. Should but know, it's not. but I was twenty yeah. fucking one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You should have known better. Yeah, I see street robbery, that I mean that's bad. You know, I did but I didn't realise it was a street robbery. I thought it was You don't think it is, don't nah, do you? No. Nah. And then when I got arrested for it and I, and I got, got me borsal again, I was like, Oh, not again. Go through the same thing again. But I went back to the same borsal. So as I've gone in the dining hall, it's still full of lads. 
that were in there when I was in Look there. Look who you face. Yeah, so like, and that's when I had my two fights. I had a fight with a scouse lad. What was it over? He was bullying, uh, bullying one of the younger kids. Taking stuff off the off the kids, you know, like his his mum was sending stuff in, and this scouse was taking it off him. Mm. So I thought I'd be the hero and like and stick up for him and that. Wish I'd never know. I mean, I had two fights and he filled me in both times. Mm. No, second time I thought I'll have you this time, but he, he filled me in, and that's the only two fights I ever had in jail, really. All through me. So was he because you had some boxing skills back then? Was yeah, he, was I thought more... I thought I thought it was Jack the Lad. It was it wasn't a boxing thing. You're in the passage, so you, you can't box. It was just a, a fight, and when you're on the floor, that... on the floor, he yeah. beat me fair and square. There was no if. We become friends after that. Yeah, I thought he's not going to fool me in again, so I become his friend. Something <laughs> 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 like that. Something like that. But Boston was it was a, a, a massive experience, and uh, I thought I left all that behind. But then when you come out of Boston and you've done two Boston's. Middles was only a small town, very, very small. And like amongst your age, your era, your age group, you've got a bit of a reputation now. Yeah, you've been to Boston twice. Yeah, I've always been to Boston twice, you know. But I, I was I was still quite, and I still am a very quiet person. It's just, I'm very private, but like I was mixing with, with people and uh, it just went from there. And like what happened was, I had, I had an uncle who used to run the speakers, he was on the door. An old fella called Jackie Parsons. He had a massive reputation. I mean, the man could fight. So I'd sneak in the speakeasy as soon as he clocked me, because I was still only 17 by this time. I wasn't 18. Yeah. He'd walk me out by the ear, drag me out, get out. <laughs> but I'd still go the next Saturday and do it again, and he'd still throw me out. And uh, and, and I was talking about with the likes of Colin Carney and them, some good lads and that. We used to go shoplifting to get our money to go out in the night. Yeah. And uh, it just stemmed from there. But, th- but then. My massive change in my in my life was when I turned 18, 19, we started going out drinking. I was old enough to drink then. And uh, you could you could walk into a job them days and like and finish on Friday and start another one on Monday. There's that much work about. But it got to the stage where I, I started meeting girls and that's so like you you're never going home and I'm yeah. stopping out. What type sorry to interrupt? What type of work generally is it? Is it like labouring? Yeah, but when you're a kid, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I'd listened to my dad. I mean, in between my bosses, my dad got me a job as an apprentice plater. And I think it was about £6 a week. Where you could go rough painting. Yeah. And get £26 a week. Can you go fishing or is that more Sunderland? That's more Sunderland, yeah. On the docks yeah, and yeah. that. There was docks down middles, but yeah, there's plenty of dock work. But like I say, you have to get in there as an apprentice. And my dad did yeah. get me in there. But the wages were like £6 a week. Something like that. Where rough painting, you're getting twenty six. So yeah, I thought I was Jack the Lad. So you go rough painting for more money. Not fucking bad, that is it. <laughs> but you're not learning a trade. You know what I mean. So like, I look back now and I think I wish I'd, <coughs> I, I wish I'd learned a trade. When you were shoplifting, what stuff were you shoplifting? And what techniques were you using? I was going to ask that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I'm going to be brutally truthful. You're right. You used to go shoplifting <coughs> with, uh, with Colin Carney, right? I I, I have no bottle. Fell out like that. I was a lookout. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah. Wrong with that, though. <laughs> you still get caught, wasn't you? Yeah, yeah. 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 so like he'd gone, we'd, we'd pinch, we'd go to a place called Bombs, I think it was, and we'd pinch Ben Sherman shirts. Yeah, but like he'd always have to get two, so he'd, he, you know, I was his little lookout. Like I wasn't, I was near the door ready to run. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, calling it. it was, them days it was easy to shoplift. They had no tags and stuff like that on. And uh, yeah, so we were shoplifting. Just for clothes to go out to look better than anyone else. I did it later on, but I, when I was younger. The nearest thing to it, it wasn't even shoplifting really. 
It was like, you no, know, Christmas time, you, you, your uncles and aunties would get you, like, um, oh, WH Smith vouchers for, like, records yeah. and stuff like mm. that. So I, I'd take them in, but I want cash for them. Yeah. So I'd buy, like, a pencil. Yeah. And, like, try and, like, get cash for them. Yeah. But then they'd give you, like, pound ones, yeah. so then you'd have to get something else. Yeah. But um, that was the nearest to shoplifting. I never actually shoplifted. I did later on. Yeah. I did when I was in America. I'd go yeah. into Macy's and get all types of fucking shit. I'd go into the shops and get bottles of fucking um, Moe and Shannon. Yeah, yeah. And the alarms would go off. I wouldn't yeah. give a fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. They'd just walk yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like I say, I was just a lookout. I was, I was like a shitty ass. But then what, what happened then? I moved on. I'm going quite forward a little bit here. Yeah, fine, just yeah. say whatever you want. And uh, I got to about 1920 and I've discovered girls and I had a relationship with a girl and we end up having, having a, a baby, which is our Leroy. He's my eldest lad. And uh, I'm start, I'm now, now I'm starting work in the, in the uh, speakeasy. I've started as... My uncle Jackie was the, was the boss and then his, his nephew took over, Mickey. They were proper, had proper reputations in the time. Yeah. So I started in the speakers. I started as a glass collector, which was that. And then I worked my way up to a barman. Then I was a DJ for a while. And then he ended up on the door. And this is when I discovered drugs. Uh, there wasn't a lot of drugs about in them days. It was mainly marijuana. Yeah. You'd had your, uh, your pack Rocky, of black, your lab. Your pack of black, your lab. Yeah. Your rocky. And it was mainly uh, middle of <coughs> It was mainly done by the Jamaicans, the old Jamaicans. There was no young Jamaicans at all. Like, to me, they were old. Yeah. If you, but they won't have been. They'd have been in their 30s, 40s. <coughs> never the ones, if you, if, I never, I've never ever smoked drugs in my life. But if you, if you wanted drugs, you'd go to, like, Weedy George. Yeah. Someone like that, and it, you know. And I was on the speakers door, and I was, like, watching, and, and I thought, you know. So I went to see Weedy George, and I bought a quarter off him. You've seen an opportunity. Yeah, so. and I thought, yeah. So I started selling £5 deals yeah. to my friends. Yeah. To friends. And then people started coming to you, so like it went from a quarter to half ounce to an ounce. And that's what I was doing for quite a while on, on the doors. And, and and I become known for it. And then the amphetamine come in, so I do a bit of amphetamine. And it, it just really stemmed from there. Like How did you know, Speed feel the first time you took it? Speed. Uh, strange, weird. Uh, but you're, you're a kid, so it's, it's a type of drink that a kid will take. A kid, you know, you, you go to a nightclub, it makes you want to dance, and makes yeah. you, you're awake. And we're doing like the rapper Billy Wiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, the little, like the little envelopes. Yeah, yeah, that's the what we were doing. Yeah, it's, I got high. The first time I started selling speed, I got high as a fucking kite. Yeah, because everyone back then thought the safest place to hide it was in your socks yeah, you know what I mean no, no. so but I didn't have anything in a bag or anything so I'd have these like five or six wraps and so I'd put them in my socks yeah. but as you're out when you're sweating yeah, you're sweat, dancing yeah. it goes into your skin yeah, doesn't yeah, it yeah, you're yeah. fucking high as a kite yeah. someone comes to get me you get one and I'll open it and fuck all you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah then you spend all, you use a catalogue didn't you use the papers yeah, out the catalogue yeah. because they were glossy the gratin yeah and you used to make me yeah, wraps out that but and you know, when I was doing it, I, people like, I was a drug dealer. Yeah. But I didn't realise I was a drug dealer. I didn't think, you know, like, in them days, the police never had had the sort of facilities they have now, did they? You well, you know? think we've just been speeding weed and like heroin and that. You don't think it's really drugs, do you, in no. a way? You know what no. I mean? It's not like. No, no. I mean, I mean there was nothing like that about them, was in them days. No heroin, no cocaine. 
Not what was the ounces that. going for? Was, was, like in them days, 80, 80, 90 quid. Yeah, 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 80, 90 quid. But like that—that that was me. That was me. Little start off with it, and then you just progress and like working on the doors, and you eventually fade that out. Well, you make forty quid on your ounce, don't you? Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't smoke it. <laughs> well, I, 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 I've never smoked marijuana. I've never smoked dope in my life. You know, and uh, I didn't really take drugs. I'd have a dab of whiz, maybe it was on a Saturday night, but then. You become too generous and you start giving stuff away. So, like, I was greedy. So I learnt my lesson. Especially with the young, pretty girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what they call it. It just stemmed from there. So, like, now I'm in a speakeasy and I'm 18, 19, 20, coming up 21. Filling out. Yeah, and, like, I, I, become, I started to get a bit of a reputation. Yeah. And I, I was never a nasty dorm. You had, you had two ends in Middlesbrough. You had the bottom end, which was run by a lad called John Teasdale. And he's dorming all wore T-shirts and jumpers and that. And they were bullies, you know yeah. what I mean? You used to walk and you're strangers and, oh, you're a big lad. One of them, like, see who knocks him out first. Yeah. And that's the type of lads they were. The top end where I worked, I worked... You were in white socks, you're not yeah. coming in. Like, the, I worked with the like, lads called Bishops. They were, they were a black family. And we, we were, like, nice dorming, if you can get a nice dorming. We never bullied anyone. We were always okay. And... Uh, well, there is nice storm, we had one, yeah. obviously. We? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Steve Rafe. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to batter people, no. you know what I mean? I mean, the only policy that we had when, when speakers was, if you let them in, you put them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If two, two pissheads come to the door, two ruffians come to the door, and, and Mary Price are on the speakers, if she goes to you like that, and you go, it's all right, it's okay. If he kicks off, you've got to put him out, which is fair enough. In Borough, what's the worst troubles? Is it like drunken jocks, drunken Scottish? No, you, you don't venture really. It's it's mainly just many women. Uh, yeah. I worked on the doors, many women, <laughs> many women, women were the worst. You know, they were the worst sort of trouble. That you can do with them as well. You, no. set, you set, they set upon you with the handbags and that. There's the worst is with fucking yeah, yeah. But you, you see a guy hit a woman, she turn around and like, hey, stop that and all that. And next minute, fucking, you're brawling with the guy and she's hitting you with over yeah. your fucking oh, head. I've had that, I've had that. <laughs> I got locked up. Yeah, yeah. Man and woman in the speakeasy fighting, man and wife fighting, knocking 10 cans of shite out of each other. And I've stopped and broke him up and he, he's got a bit rowdy, so I've shoved him, he's got on his ass. Next thing you know, she's hit me on the other stiletto and like, wow. So I've pushed there, she's got on her ass. The police van's parked there. They locked me up. I was like, what? But I had some whiz in my pocket when they locked me up. Mm. So Did you neck it? No, I've got it out. I'm handcuffed, so like I've got it out and I've pushed it down the, the seat of the thing. Like that's it. Six wraps down there. I'm okay. Goes in, gets charged, gets interviewed or whatever. I'm in the cells. Knock on the cell door. Lift the shut. We went. We checked the car, don't Yeah, they checked the car after they yeah. arrest. <laughs> so that was it. That was my first arrest. I denied it. Obviously, I said I took it off a punter. I said I was on the door. I hadn't had time to hand it in. I've took it off someone. Yeah. So I, I never. I was still only a kid, so I never got charged with that. But then going back to Speakeasy, which was a massive part of my life, you know, it was like like a second home, really. We were we were all like, yeah, Dave Bishop on on the door. He was Ed Dorman, and like he was safe working with Dave because he could fight, and people you would get no bother when Dave Bishop was there because he was really really handy. But then it got to the stage where. My drugs thing's getting bigger and bigger. You know, I've gone from like quarters to ounces. And we have a lot of uh, influx of Jamaicans come down from Leeds to go to Speakeasy for the music. And uh, I'm obviously become friendly with them. And before you know it, I'm buying nine bars off them. They're bringing them down for me. 
Nice. And I'm doing stuff like that. Do you have stamps on it? Yeah, you could, you could pick it on. You can get all the stamps, wasn't it? Yeah. Mercedes stamps and stuff I like that. I like those with the stamps on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you a story later on in life. That's just the thing now. Yeah. You know, you can pick your own stamp. But then the last one needs to come out. Now I'm going to Leeds with Jeff Bailey, which is a good friend of mine. And out the blue, like, now I'm, I think I'm just like a level street drug dealer, just a street drug dealer. And out the blue, you know, I've got a, I've got a sister called Tracy, my younger sister, and she's met up with a man called Dale, ex-professional boxer. I get on okay with him. And out the blue, he knows what I'm doing, and they just comes to me one day and goes to me, I, I can get you some drugs. Yeah. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I was like, what's he all about? And he, he made some contacts and he could get it by the kilo. So I ended up selling drugs for him. I'd get my kilos off him. And it just seemed to stem from then. And then I was there then. That, that was it. I was... I think you're the safest guy to do it too. Especially A, because you're family there. Yeah. But B, because you didn't do it yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I, I've, I'm now I'm established and I'm and like I'm now supplying the lads from Leeds and I'm supplying the Jamaicans and that. So like, I, I was like, and now I know I'm a drug dealer. Yeah, now I know I'm a drug dealer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that I'm a drug dealer and I know I've got to be careful. So do you control the drugs as a doorman in that place? Yeah, yeah. So you take the drugs off the competition, it gets recycled to the house? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the speakers was, was quite a small club but it was very clicky. I mean, people wouldn't come in there and sell drugs. Did you kick the other doorman down? Like, did you give him a bit of coin not to say anything? Uh, or did, did they have their own hustle? Yeah, I, I think I did. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't think of the way you're talking. There. Yeah, I used, I used to give them free draw. Yeah, 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 yeah I did. Yeah, because yeah. they smoked and I didn't. So yeah, and I'd go to blues parties with them. Yeah. Now the blues parties. Have you ever heard of blues parties? Uh-huh. It's a proper Jamaican thing. It's a West Indian thing. And with Middlesbrough, I'm a small community. Like we were at Stem Tents. Oh, yeah, the, ra- the Rasta stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like, yeah, like the Rasta stuff and that. I mean, it was like just little t- townhouses, you know, you'd go there, it'd be run by Jamaicans. And the only reason I could get in there was because I worked in the speakeasy and they knew me. So, like, I was I was welcome there. Loads of white girls in there. Yeah. Very few white men. I'll tell us about it. Yeah. We went to once this tent with this Rasta guy. I just got out of prison, he had he, a big he, knife. Yeah. He, picked him up on the road somewhere, he's giving me a ride. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't want to pay to get in, so he just cut the tent open. Yeah. We go in the tent like that, sit there for half hour. He's there, come, come, come with me. Yeah. So he takes us to a little house, council yeah. house, and it's all booming, and they're all smoking big, like, yeah. fucking um, bongs and stuff, and then fucking these just come running down with knives. Chainsaw? Oh, the fucking honkies doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a fucking chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. Find yourself in some situations, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... Toxteth, that was, not it? Yeah, Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, Toxteth, yeah. But, like, Middlesbrough was only small, so all these Jamaicans knew me. Yeah. You get a few strangers from Leeds, but they got to know me as well. So, I mean, the Blues Party, was, they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You can go there and relax. Sure. Yeah. And the girl that I was with at the time, she was she was a half-class girl who I had Leroy too. Yeah. And our relationship was terrible. I mean, it was up and down and everywhere. So, like, these Blues Parties are going on. So, I mean, I, I'm even selling in there. The black men are buying it off me, you know. And it, it just went from there... And then uh, we had a little thing with uh, a new kid come out on the block, a lad called Lee Duffy. He turned up and uh, he was a monster. This young kid was a fucking monster. 
I mean, it was like something like Dolph Lundgren, and like he was only like 17, 18 when he first came on. It's not, you know, his kid. He was a glass collector in some nightclub down the town. And uh, he'd done his own work. I mean, you learn a lot about Lee Duffy, especially from Jamie. I mean, Jamie's done a lot of research into him. But my opinion of Lee Duffy was he was very intelligent. Yeah. What have you done from, from day one? They're going about him being bullied as a, as a child, and that's why he turned out like he did. I don't know if that's why he turned out like that. He was very intelligent. He, he, he started working on the doors. He worked for JT Leisure. And he would slowly, but slowly... When he first came on the scene, he was going down the town, he was just knocking doormen out with fun at 18, 19-year-old. Yeah. If you're on the door, who's in charge? Bang, knocked them out. And that was like, oh, God. So his, his reputation started to get bigger and bigger. But when he took over was when he started... He's educated well... He's making his name there, and he knows yeah, he's doing it yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, and he was an athlete. He was a proper athlete. He trained. Not like these dormers who stand on the door and like drinking and that. Bare bellies. Yeah. And <laughs> bang your foot. Like when they've got a back up, they'll bang you. Yeah. Lee was an athlete. He used to go, I've seen Lee on his own, maybe seven times out of ten. He'd be on his own. And he started moving up the ladder. He started knocking the people who run the doors out, the lads with the reputation. Yeah. He'd go out with them, he'd befriend them. Maybe it's ten days later, he'd be like, "Me and you have to have a fight." And he, he, like Viv Graham. Well, and Viv Graham come a lot later on. This was in our town. This was like yeah. when he took Middlesbrough over. Oh, okay. You're talking the likes of like, I mean, Junker Teasdale, Dale Henderson, uh, other other doormen who, who had reputations yeah. for years and were respected. Yeah. He was just destroying them. He was just absolutely destroying them and like. And I was quite lucky because he was quite friendly with my brother-in-law, Dale. So, like, he'd walk into pubs, he'd walk into a pub and he'd, like, be like, got a place called the Empire. If you wanted drugs, you went to the Empire. Because mm-hmm. that was just people just sat all around drug dealers, said anything, ecstasy, acid, that. And Lee would just walk in there on his own, pair of shorts on, vest on, just look around, like the Terminator, and just, like, points, come here. And they'd come and he'd go... Oh, and and while he's talking to the kid, he's looking around, put it all on there. They'll make me search it. Someone else, come here. And he'd just take them off them. And they'd just give them, because there's nothing you could do about it. You could not. You couldn't even argue with him. You got to the stage where the lad used to, like, when you go to the table, he'd go, like, he'd go, like, go further down, he's got more than me. And they'd grass each other up. <laughs> they'd grass each other up just to get him away from him. But like like he, a young Brian Cockrell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Brian came along later on. I, I think Brian was a lot different to Lee. Lee. Lee was an absolute monster. Lee was evil. Yeah, he was evil. Yeah, I worked on the doors and like I worked on the pub. I was a lucky one because he, he was friendly with my brother-in-law. Yeah. He never ever taxed me. He never ever tried to tax me. I never had any real show with him. But he'd walk in the pub that I was on. He'd go so and so in and. The pub would, I mean, with normal people in, the pub would go deadly silent and he'd just stand there and scan the place. And, like, people would just be, they wouldn't even have a drink, they'd just stand there with the drink still until oh, he'd gone. he doesn't pick me for fuck's Yeah, sake. yeah, because if he did, if he'd had you at the end of the pub and he goes, like, come here, it's, it's the, call it walk, the walk of death. Everyone would be like, oh, my God, it's him. I imagine all the drug dealers sat around and the guy saying, you better believe it. Oh, he's got more than me, you know. Yeah, you you better believe it. (laughs) Walk of death. And then if a lad come back in, they'd be like, what what did he want you for? Has he slapped you? No, what the call? He's giving me a warning. Like, he was, honestly, you can't explain how how he was awesome. He was awesome. But then then Brian Cockle come along. I, I see Brian completely different. I mean, 
to me, Brian wasn't a bully. No. He wasn't a bully. And I, I, he might not like me saying this, but I don't, I've never seen no fear in Brian. Lee Duffy, he, he just owes fear. Yeah. It was just, his persona was fear. He was menacing. you heard that when I was in Eccleston Jail in 92. Yeah. You'd hear about him. Yeah. You'd hear, but Brian Cockerell, his name would always come up. He'd be almost like the gentle giant. Yeah. The, the neighbours would love him, the old yeah. people would love yeah. him, the young people would love him. Yeah. He's like sort of, yeah, he was a tax man, yeah. Yeah. But, just, just people watching this, we've had Brian the tax man on. Shout out to Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. And the link. Can't wait the, to see you again, mate. Link is to these podcasts is in the description box below this video. It's called The Taxman of McIntyre's Underworld. Yeah. And then Brian came. I mean, I'd, I'd never met Brian. I'd only heard of Brian through the show we had with Lee. Yeah. And six and two threes, I don't know which part to believe or not to believe because I was never there, so I can't comment on them though. But, like, I've never had no fear from Brian. I've never seen him lose his temper. Yeah. And he's never he's never questioned me or cornered me. So I just see him as a big teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. You know. Then if Lee Duffy's doing all this stuff then and just challenging yeah. anyone, surely someone tried to like stop him or he met some resistance of some kind. <sighs> Only when he ventured. No, no. Not even when he went to like say Red Car or Newcastle. When he went to Red Car, that was Brian Cockrell. They had Brian was an innocent Bodybuilder, weightlifter, whatever. Yeah. Looked after himself and trained. From what I can gather, he was an innocent kid. He, he wasn't in trouble. He wasn't in trouble. And him and Lee, obviously, with him being so big and powerful, they'd bumped into each other or something. A little bit of a scuffle had started. They had a fight. And that's when Lee thought, wow, there is someone. Yeah. Been yeah. Me. <laughs> there is someone who, you know. So I think they later on, on both sides, I think they both decided to be friends. Friends, weren't they? Yeah. Because. It was just going to be a, a Brian war. was saying they took ease together. Yeah, so, yeah. And Brian thought, oh, no, he's going to punch me, now he's going to punch me. Yeah, because, I mean, Lee could destroy you with a punch. He could yeah. destroy you with a left hook. I mean... But he'd do it on slide as well. Oh, yeah, mm. that's yeah. what I'm saying. With his dorman that he was... He was sat at the fucking yeah. bar with him, the next minute you'd get it. There was a dorman who I, I, I'd idolised for years called Junker Teasdale. Clean-cuff fella. What a nice suit in the time. He, he ran the doors and he ran them with, with an iron fist. Yeah. And Lee befriended him, maybe six weeks, seven weeks later, they're out having a drink, they're having little shorts, Lee's throwing his away, Junker's drinking his, Lee's throwing his away. Then it's like, let's go in the car back. And he knocked Junker out. You know, and that was that was Lee, he was he was that's clever. All, that's just absolutely pre-planned as well, Oh, yeah, it? he used to pre-plan it, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when those, like, head doormen lost face like that, did they yeah. have to st- stand down then, or...? <clears throat> No, Jonker never stood down. He still ran his doors, but but he, he, he got got sort of abused off him. You know what I mean? Like Lee would walk in his, in his pubs and he'd batter his doorman. Yeah, you know type of thing. So like, there's multiple doormen. Then they can't stop this guy. No, you couldn't stop him, mate. Was, it might sound pathetic to people who don't <coughs> who don't know Lee Duffy. He's from a little town called South Bank, a little place called South Bank, which is just outside Middlesbrough. And the man was untouchable. He was just. He was awesome. And there'd be people from Middlesbrough now who would say to me, from my era, no, he wasn't. Well, please believe me, he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think someone let her get pissed off and just go and get a gun? Well, my, my, an old friend of mine did eventually try to kill him several times. Uh, Paul Bryan, he's from the same place. They were good friends at one time, him and Lee. 
and obviously they fell out over whatever they fell out over. But Paul's only a little fella. He's a psychopath. The man's a psychopath. And he brought some Jamaicans down to shoot Lee in the blues. They panicked because of the size of Lee. They'd come down to shoot someone who they didn't know. And when they've met him and he's in the blues and yeah. it's you're in a dark, confined space and you've got to shoot someone and get out. I think they panicked. And when they went to shoot him, they've shot him in the foot. Oh. So, and then he ran. Got run. Yeah. yeah, and then ran. So that was one attempt. Shot and, him in the foot and ran. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they has gone to kill him, but obviously yeah. they were scared and thinking, the door's there, he's there. I don't know what was going through the man. But that was botched. And then that was arranged by Paul, I think. And then the next time was a, someone shot a bucket of petrol over me. Set my, set my lights and that was supposed to be arranged by Paul as well but uh, did that get botched? yeah he couldn't light the match <laughs> he couldn't. I thought you were going to say it was diesel he <laughs> couldn't light the match so, so couldn't light the match honestly yeah, yeah honestly yeah so Lee braided him left him for dead left him for dead yeah you can't blame yeah. him no because he's really holy but shit I, imagine, I, can you imagine that scene in a movie yeah. This massive guy, and this yeah. guy can't like. He's so scared. Yeah. Was it because yeah. he was scared he couldn't like the match? or just fumbling around. I think it was just fear and everything. I mean, yeah. it's just like having a lighter in the fucking the flint just goes just then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it'd be I fair, wouldn't it? He'd be coming at you, and you're yeah. like, should have gone in with a blowtorch or something. He, he wasn't. A, Lee wasn't a nice person. I mean, if you had Mister and Mrs Smith in a pub having a meal. He, he, if he bummed in there, he'd probably buy buy them a drink. Yeah. If nothing, if you're a, if you're a criminal, and you're in that fraternity, if you were a criminal, you were making money. You were a drug dealer. You were a doorman. So if you were a straight head, it is, you he were wouldn't into bother it, you. He wouldn't bother you. He's not going to bother you. Well, I respect that. He's not going to bother you. But if you were a criminal, he wanted a piece of whatever you had. Yeah. Or probably all of it. You know, if he if he had no respect for you, he'd just take everything off you. I th- well, I think that's. It's not good, but I think it's shit happens, doesn't it? There's every a, every town's got someone like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. With Liverpool's yeah. got a guy yeah. called Frenchy. He's like, I was in jail with Frenchy. He, yeah. He's very much like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't actually know him personally, so we can't say that. Yeah. But from what I've heard about him, he was what people man, have told me, he was yeah. the tax man. Yeah, he's he was got, the devil. His book, the devil, book yeah. is brilliant. Frenchy's yeah. book. I've read it. Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. But, but, but staying on Lee Duffy for a minute, then. Um, it's just blowing my mind what you say. I've never heard these stories before. Yeah. You lead all sorts of different stories about Lee. Have you got any others that you've not said then? About Lee? He, he was a, he, he'd, he'd like to have a one-to-one. Yeah. Lee, Lee would like to have a one-to-one. Yeah. And he'd turn up on his own to fight, you know. Like, like I say, if, if, no matter who he's fighting, he'd turn up on his own. I've seen him turn up on his own. He'd walk on a pub on his own. And Was he drinking or not? Not really, no. No. Later on in life, as I started, he's out to see him settle down type of thing. He started using the drugs and that. Yeah. But he, he wasn't a pisshead. He wouldn't, you would never see him going out knocking pints and that back. You'd almost think he'd need a good woman in his life to calm him down, wouldn't you? I think he had a few good women, but like it was his lifestyle, I think. Yeah. He was out till all hours of the morning. He wasn't going home. Taxi drivers were petrified of him. He'd just take a taxi. <laughs> you know, like... And he's, just say, like the, he's not getting the bus, though. He's not walking. Yeah. No, he, taxi driver, whoa, stop. He wouldn't get a taxi. He'd take, He'd take the, the keys. Yeah. He'd take the taxi. <laughs> yeah, hell man. And it got to the stage where the taxi firms were just saying, like, just don't argue with him. Yeah. He'd be, he used to bring the taxi back. Bring it back? Yeah, take it back. But no one would phone That's the police. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Did the police try and stop him? I think he had a few runners with the police. 
I think he only ever went to jail when it was unforeseeable, when he couldn't get out of it. I think he sounds intelligent. He kept that. He, he... Oh, he was an intelligent lad. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't a dummy. Yeah. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. But then him and Brian formed this partnership where I, I wasn't about then. I, I'd more or less settled down, just hearing rumours of them. Uh, I, I had a few dealings with Brian. I mean, Brian was your major taxman. Yeah. If you're a drug dealer, you had to be careful with Brian. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I, I was a drug dealer. And uh, there's only one story where, he, when, he, when he was writing his book and that, he'd done a forward in my book, Brian. I've always got on well with him, even though I haven't seen him for years and years, and I, I still haven't met up with him. And uh, we, we were quite decent. He always respected me, and I've always had loads of respect for him. But he, he said to uh, Jamie Boyle that he'd never ever taxed me because I was a nice drug dealer. I don't know what a nice drug dealer is, but I'm, apparently I'm a nice drug dealer. And uh, he left me alone because I was decent. And I went to Jamie, no, he never. He has taxed me. But he, he's obviously taxed that he many people. probably pay. forgot about he's it. Probably taxed that many people. <laughs> forgot about me. But it was, do you want me to tell you a little story? Yes, please. Yeah, take, take as long as you want. What it was, stories. what it was, it was, uh, like I said, I'd moved up the ladder and I was selling kilos. And yeah. That. And for some, um, for some, for, uh, some reason, I, I hadn't, I never had nothing. So I phoned one of his Bensons, one of his joys, and uh, said, has Brian got out? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you want? I said, oh, you want one? Yeah. So man comes. Right, okay, yeah. Brings it down, right? His Benson was a friend of mine, so I thought, trust him. Yeah. So I text it off him, puts it away, pays him, goes to have a look at it, and it's pure dink. He's absolutely... So I phones me pal up. He went, Brian said, you've had it too long, you can't have your money back. Oh, God. Too big to argue with. He's, 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 yeah. he's, he's taxed me, he's robbed me. 1,800 quid, I think. No, 1,800 quid. When you say dink, do you mean stuff that wouldn't get you high or just low grade? <sighs> Plastic. Fuck yeah. <laughs> just, just anything where he could shove together the way. And uh, so I, I put it away, I buried it. Maybe, I don't know, six months, seven months went by and I was still flying, I was getting my stuff in. I mean, I, I think I was shifting about 50k a week Fuck to different hell. people. So it didn't really bother me. Yeah. And then my pal phones me, I don't know, six, seven months later. Have when you, you buried it, it did, you, did you have any idea what you were going to do with it? Oh yeah, I knew exactly what I was going to do with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was scared, but I knew yeah. I was going to do it. So then he, me, me pal phones me. Have you got anything? I mean, yeah, yeah, what are you after? Just just the one. Yeah, okay then, yeah. Bring the cash. He said it's for the big fella, me and Brian. Yeah. I said, oh, bring the cash, mate. I'm not there. Uh, you're not getting out on strap. I said, I can't. argue yeah. with him. So my pal brings it down. So gets this key of plastic in a different wrap and put it in a different wrap and put the brown tape around it. Give him it. And off he goes. He's giving me the money. But I think when he sold me, it was 1,800 quid. When I sold him, it was 21, yeah. something like that. So I've charged him 21. So I've made 300 quid straight away. So about <laughs> an hour goes by and my pal's on the phone. Paddy, Paddy, you better get out. He's going fucking sky. He's going ape. He's going mad. He's in my kitchen. He's going to smash my kitchen up. <laughs> so he said, you better get down. So he sent the lad for me. A lad, a lad called Sean, come and got me. So I'm in the car and he's going, oh, he's, he's going mad, mate. Have you, have you got his money? I went, yeah, 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 I've got his money, yeah, I've got his money, yeah. So I goes in, my heart is bouncing on my chest, right? Why did you go? Couldn't you just fucking not... I didn't want him coming to my house. Oh, he could yeah, I've got yeah. wife, I've got wife He's not ragging me all over the front of my wife. So <laughs> I thought, yeah, that you would have. So yeah. if he had to come to me, he'd be more madder. He'd come through the door or through the wall. Yeah. So I've, he's in the kitchen, I've got the kitchen, he's leaned on the sink, open the windows in front of him, and you can't see, he's blocked the, the window out. 
So I can see him, he's breathing heavy, and I'm, I'm sh- absolutely shiting myself. Fucking wobbling, yeah. yeah. Now he's t- he turns round, glares at me, and goes to me, Oh, the fuck do you think you are? You taxing me? I went, No, 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 no. He went, oh, I said, I'm no one, Brian. I'm no one. I'm a nobody, but I'm not a Doyle. He went, What are you on about? I went, You can give me that six months ago. I went, Do you think I'm a dickhead? And he went, no. I went, Hold on a minute. I had 300 quid in my pocket. I went, By the way, yours is 300. Man was 300 pounds cheaper or something like that. And I gave me his 300 quid back and he went, you've got some fucking bottle, you, I went. And he cuddled me. He cuddled me. I don't know if he remember. I don't know if Brian, if he remember this, I don't know. But you give me a little cuddle in the kitchen. And then like, I was like, wow. Got home and like... I bet you felt like, oh my God. Never dealt with him again. <laughs> <laughs> never dealt with him again. No, but that, he, he probably can't remember taxing me because like I said, that yeah. but he, that did happen. That was a story. And, and I did send his ding back to him. And, uh, yeah, and like I say, we can laugh about it now, but them days, it was serious, you know. Of course, you key, key in it. Yeah, when you mix it in them circles, you don't realise what sort of problems can occur. Yeah. You don't realise. It was There was no guns and that about Nimbles with them days. It, it wasn't like... Well, losing the key, you put you out of fucking business, can't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because you've got to, I mean, you know... you, you, you got to pay for it. Like I'm saying, you there, I was probably moving 50 key a fortnight or something, you're not making a fortune. No. I mean, I used to put £50 on a key, so it's not a great deal of money. Yeah, but you're moving it as a key, it's the yeah. person who's cutting it. The they're... person who makes the most of it is the ones who are on the street. street level, but they're taking the most risk as well. Of course they are, yeah. You're taking less yeah. risk. If you're dealing, yeah. I've always said, if you could, if you just deal with like one handful of people yeah. and sell them and then they do whatever they want, Yeah. as long as you're making a little yeah. bit and you've only got five... That's all. Yeah, I had four or five so decent customers. That's it. all I needed, yeah. and you're safe. Yeah, you know when you start running about the town trying to sell it to every Tom Dick oh, and I. People knocking on your fucking yeah. door at all yeah. fucking hours. Yeah. I've had that when I was younger. I've yeah, had that when I was well, you, you got to start somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, I've had people at two o'clock in the morning pulling up in taxis, and you think, oh god, no. And the neighbours get to know. And then we. So you end up giving them just to fuck him off, don't yeah. you? Just to get rid of him. I think what got me when I, when I was when I was like when when my kids were coming up from school and they were saying. Dad, so and so's dad said you're a drug dealer. Oh, good, like, great. <laughs> and it, it hurts, you know, it hurts, yeah. yeah. But I always remember the, the one that done it, come home and he used to say to old Reese, your dad's a drug dealer. I went, who's, who's this who's saying that? And it was one of the lads who used to buy it off me. <laughs> <laughs> so when I seen him in the club, I went, stop telling your kids that I'm a drug dealer or I'll tell them that you'll buy you know, it off me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the tailors, yeah, from Polly Park. Yeah, but... What, what's the story behind the demise of Lee Duffy? The demise of Lee Duffy. The demise of him. I can't stick up for him, and I wish I could, Lee. But he was an out-and-out bully. Mm. He was a bully. And it got to the stage where... I mean, the, the, the fight of the night he died, he tortured that lad. Every weekend he'd go looking for him. Who was the lad and why was he doing that? It, it, the lad was called David Allison. Nickname Allo, nice fella, nice lad, could have a fight. The lad could have a fight and he would never back down. So if he bumps into Lee and they're in some pub, he wouldn't run away from Lee where most people would. The lad would stand his ground and get a good hiding probably. And he just got the stage where it wasn't just him, he was, he was, he'd become a bully. He'd become a bully in that fraternity again. It was kill or fight on it, either yeah. in prison. Either. He, he was like, thing. it doesn't matter if he had a bit of a reputation or whatever, or he didn't like you, or he, someone had told him something bad. He was knocking people out for fun. I mean, he just, he was just, 
he becomes <coughs> controllable. And like Middlesbrough become a better place, not when he was dead, man, I don't mean that, when he moved to Newcastle. Yeah. When he had his when he had this fascination with Viv Graham. No. Do you, want, do you want to explain to people who Viv Graham is and what, what that fascination was about then? Viv Graham, if you if you never heard about Viv Graham, Viv Graham was your lead duffy in Newcastle. And Newcastle is two or three times the size in Middlesbrough. Viv, Viv, Viv had a massive reputation. I mean, he used his head, he, he, he run the doors in Newcastle. Where, so it's like Brian Cocker was like Red Cars equivalent. Yeah. Duffy was Middlesbrough. Yeah. And Viv Graham was, was Newcastle. Newcastle. Viv Graham ran the doors in Newcastle, which is a massive thing to do, I would yeah, imagine, because yeah. it's a big place. And he had a lot of respect. A lot of people would call him a bully. I was in jail with Viv once. I was in Durham jail. And uh, and I didn't know... I'd, I'd heard of Viv Graham, but I didn't know who he was. He had a business head on him, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And I was in the gym one day. He was sitting on a bench, and there was only three. He was, he was a punch bag. There was, there was Viv Graham, a little kid called Kev Hour. Who was yeah. He was a little animal from Middlesbrough. He's dead now, good rest him. And so me and Kevin sitting on the bench, and it was the same. What did Skip? One had gone to punch bag, one had wait. Yeah. And we had a little, little routine going every other day. And one day, Kevin said to me, that's Viv Graham. I went, oh, that's Viv Graham. But it didn't mean nothing to me. Yeah. Right? And then he'd go and play five aside. And for a, he, was a, he was a big fella, big fella. Man, he was fast as. He had fast hands. And you he, he watch him play football five aside. He was fast game. Fast. Yeah, he was a fit kid. But I got the impression of... of I'd only spent time with Viv in jail. I didn't meet him outside. Yeah. So if I'm on the landing and I'm walking across and you've got your food and that, he'd shout down to you, Paddy, are you in the, are you in the gym tomorrow? Yeah, we'll do so-so tomorrow. And he'd come across as a lovely fella. <clears throat> that's just my opinion of him being in yeah. jail. When he's outside, he might have been well, that's how you Well, that's how your relationship yeah. with that, him That's was. how I perceive him, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was, he was a nice fella. And then when I put the three together, I, I mean... If that had been Lee Duffy walking along London, it's he's just a different person. Lee was a bully. My now, if you work out with Lee Duffy, you could fucking hit you while you're fucking doing some oh, workouts. Yeah. Who yeah. would think twice yeah. about it? Yeah, and people would say, oh, who would have won out of Viv and Lee? You'll never know. What would no. be like size for size? Lee was more athletic. I think Viv, Viv was a powerhouse. But same as Brian. Brian's a powerhouse, but very fast. Brian's got fast hands. Yeah. He's got for a big fella, he's got fast hands. I think Brian fucking taken well. Just my I think if, if Brian gets older, you you've got problems, haven't you? You're fucking right, yeah. You know, you've no, got problems. Really. I mean yeah. one time he's one of the strongest men in Great Britain. Yeah, you, you, you know, know you've got problems. I mean he's deadlift, he's powerlifting and all that was unbelievable. You're not gonna get out of the no, grip, are you? No. You know what I mean? no. But like I mean, you say like them big fellas if if they're fighting for over like thirty seconds, sixty seconds, they're paggered. He's not paggered. He's fit. He's fit. He's, 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 he's fucking. I fitness. couldn't get thirty seconds. I'm looking for fucking fifteen. I'm looking to knock the bastard out in one. <laughs> well, that's what most <laughs> no big lads do. That's what most big lads do. <laughs> yeah. But like say, your Viv Graham and, and your Brian Cockrells, you get a shot because they can fight and they can yeah. go on for a while. You know, they're quite fit. But yeah, I mean, I, my experience with Viv he was a nice fella. I could be a million miles away from the truth. So what, what led then to Duffy's demise? Duffy, like I say, he's bullying around the town and uh, there was no demise in him. He was just, he was going to Newcastle and he was bringing, there's a family called Sayers, a uh, big family in, in Newcastle. Sayers? The Sayers, Oh yeah. yeah, we interviewed Stephen Sayers Did yesterday. You? Yeah. I've never met them, but I've only heard good things about them from uh, Jamie. 
But I, I think Lee become friendly with them, and they were like his new family, and he was bringing them to Middlesbrough, and they were going to the Blues parties. Uh, the Blues parties were finished then. It, it was more white men in the Blues parties now. It'd be, now they'd become an, more a of a rave. rave. Illegal, yeah. yeah. More of a rave, yeah. yeah. The old black fellas had disappeared. Yeah. You know, but they weren't in there no more. They couldn't have controlled what was going on now. And and that these these parties and late night places were going on, and that's where he was bringing his friends down to. And what happened on the night he died, I don't know. But him, him and a fight had been arranged. Or he was, they were in the same party when I was the street. I had a fight, and he died. And I think his demise was, was self destruction. It was a knife in the back, wasn't it? From what I can gather, it was a knife under the armpit. Oh, it was under the armpit. Yeah, yeah. I think. It was, I think it was a fair fight until someone threw a knife in, in, in. So it could have been Lee could have picked the knife up or David could have picked it up. The knife was thrown in, in the middle of the road, somewhere up the crowd. But the reason why the guy was actually <laughs> fighting him, because he was constantly getting bullied by him. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Lee, Lee, Lee was a bully. And then other people must have known that to throw the knife in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie mentioned the typhoon of Lee Duffy. The typhoon, that's when he came, that's when he in the town, I mean... Oh, I see, that's what I see. That's when, it, yeah, when the typhoon like is when Lee Duffy yeah. appeared from being a... Not, you know, his glass collected in a place called Rumours or Masters. And then within, like... I mean, he was only 26 years old when he died. Hell. He was only he was still only a kid. You know, like... And he's knocking grown men out. Yeah, and I mean, proper knocking grown men out. Yeah. I mean, what we say... He come, he come with a flourish. He come, if like a typhoon, he come. Destroyed Middlesbrough, the town centre... I mean, he become number one in the northeast. Went to work on fucking Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, but like, I've had a second chance. Brian Cockles had a second chance. Lee never got a second chance. No. So you don't know if he was still alive today. What type of person he'd have been? Brian's changed. I've changed. Lots of people have changed. He never got the. I don't think he got the chance. I'm I not think, saying that he would have changed. I think but, it's how you live as well, though. Yeah. I mean, some people bounced, lived by the sword, died by the sword. Yeah. It sounds like you and Bry, obviously you've li- you've lived a life and you've been, I wouldn't say gangsters, but you know you know what I mean. You've lived yeah. that type of life, but you've never really sort of. Pissed. I think if, the more people pay, you piss off, the more yeah. chance you got of yeah. fucking getting yeah. getting yeah. your comeuppance one day. Yeah. You know what I mean. I think that's where it come in there. I was a nice drug dealer because I used to always like trying to keep everyone happy. Exactly. And if you want something off me and I can't control you, you ain't getting out off me. Um, I would never say anyone that I couldn't control. You're not stupid, are you? you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like someone knocks on your door, I can get rid of that with your pad. Nah, it's gone. Doesn't yeah. matter. So I would I, never deal with I've anyone. I've got out. Yeah. Yeah. So with the bits of Lee Duffy and Viv have a beef. Yeah. And then Viv ends up dead as well. Yeah. Is that to do with this? No, no. I, I think it was whatever Viv was doing in Newcastle, whatever he was doing, probably similar things. I mean, you run the doors. When, you, when you're in that, in that finish, you, you upset people, don't you? Yeah. I don't know if he was involved in drugs. I don't know if it was just the door wars. Yeah. I don't know. You know, but like. There was door wars back then. There was well, door wars, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was big money. Yeah. It was big money. Where it, was all around, it was all around the country. Yeah. The door wars up here. And it, there probably still is going on, you know. Probably is, yeah. You know. So how was Viv killed? He was shot on the door. He was on shot a, on the door? He was on the door, actually, yeah, and he was outside the pub and shot, drive-by. What the hell? Yeah. There's all different rumours about it. That it, they weren't supposed to kill him, supposed to like, just wound him and that, but, like... Yeah. You, you'll never know, will you? I mean, if Brian wasn't such a man, they'd have, 
he would have had it when he went to that house. Yeah, I mean, just close, yeah. wasn't it? Any normal person would be dead off that. When they <laughs> beat him up, yeah. yeah. When they kidnapped, well, never kidnapped them, the condom in the, yeah. the house and that, yeah. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I think it was only his size saved him, wasn't it? If it had been me, I'd, you'd have been Yeah, hammers to the head and yeah. showed me his legs and that. Yeah. How many times he's been shot. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. But like I say, I, th- I think Brian's doing well for himself now. He's, I think he's out of it. But he's always going to be thought of as, as the, the old Brian Cockrell. Well, he's still the, the resurrection to call it now, though. Yeah. He's going, to t- he's going to take some turn and people, people are not going to believe him. People won't believe me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in, in prison then, um, big names that you met in there. Yeah, you, you, you go to prison. Like I say, I was, that, at the end of my last sentence, that Stephen French was, he, he was in Wymouth with me. How did you end up in prison? Prison? After me Barcelona's, uh, my me, me first big prison sentence was three and a half year. And it was, a, I had a, fa- what it was, my family was quite well known in Maloney's. We, we had a reputation. Yeah. Obviously, we'd been drug dealers. And uh, there was, my brother was in the blues party one night, my brother Terry. And he was tormenting this Jamaican kid called mm-hmm. Darren Murray, who was built like Mike Tyson, but maybe six inches taller. And he's flicking polystyrene balls at him. The Jamaican's lost his temper and he smashed my brother's face in with a pills bottle. Was he doing it just for a laugh? Or was yeah, just do- for a laugh, yeah, just yeah, for a yeah. bit of fun. The Jamaican took it the wrong way and he's left my brother for dead. And we went to the hospital, he was on a life support machine for about six weeks and his head was as was that big. So as a family you thought you'd get your... We had to do, we had to be seen had to, to do, do something. something. We, had to be, exactly. we had to be seen to do something. So we all get together, he has a little bit of a crack, and uh, we arranged to meet these Murray. There's two brothers called Dad and Murray and Jason Murray. And to my, to my shock, we arranged to meet. So it was like a family straightener. Yeah, yeah. There was about seven of us. Yeah. And uh, fa- family and close friends, about seven of us. And we turned up on Union Street to meet them, and it was just them to they come on their own. There's a bit of banter going across the street. It's not being a nice, easy one. Yeah, well, it, it should have been. <laughs> it, should, it was supposed to be. So there's seven of us and two of them. They haven't brought no friends or no one, so I'm thinking, what's going on here? Cocky bastards, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> two big Jamaicans, like. So we're arguing across the road and things have been said and I've thought, oh, I've turned up with a crash helmet on. It's time to go. And I've got a baseball bat. Everyone's, everyone's told up. So That's clever, that, the crash yeah. helmet. Like, oh, know what I mean? Yeah, it saved my life, you know. Actually, it saved my life. So what, what I'm doing, we're arguing across the road and I'm thinking I've had enough of this. I'm a nice, quiet person, but I have a dead short fuse. Yeah. If I have a drink, I'm the nicest person in the world. But when I'm sober, my fuse is short for some reason. Yeah, that's why I drink a lot. Yeah. So I've run across the road, <laughs> full force, and I've hit Darren Murray in the face in the face with a baseball bat. Now I mean full force, full of anger. Yeah. Right? He's took a, two, a step backwards or two step backwards and then he pulled the machete out. He just got angry. Jesus I Christ, like, oh, wow. you pushed him off. <laughs> <laughs> then I knew, then I knew. His brother stood there, so he swung at me with, it, with the machete. That's why only two of them come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and the lads I was with, they ran off and left me. Oh, fuck. Two stayed, two stayed. My brother Billy stayed, and the lad called Terry P stayed. The rest ran and left me, so like, I'm in the middle of Union Street now, which is a bus road. And me and him are fighting on the floor. I'm obviously trying nothing because I've got the crash helmet yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's hit me with a machete. But every time he hit me, the crash helmet moved up an inch. And yours. So it's going up. Every time he's hit me, it's going up. And I'm thinking to myself, fucking hell. He's got to get me skin sooner or later. He's going to yeah. kill me. He's going to kill me. Yeah. And I was absolutely panicking, right? So I'm wrapped around him now. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to use plastic, like plastic, 
it's the police. Yeah. The police are coming. But you're thinking Frank Fuck, aren't you? You better believe it. I'm really, really pleased to, to hear the police. So there's a scuffle and the police policemen are trying to split us up. Yeah. Right? I always remember the tall ginger when I forgot his name. I think I've mentioned his name in the book. I mean, he could have got me killed. He's put his arms on him and he's using me as a human shield because Darren's still got this machete. Yeah. The other body, Bobby's trying to grab him and pull him back. So he's actually using you as a human shield? Yeah. Shit out. Yeah. And my helmet's up here now, so my yeah. helmet's come off and I'm going to the policeman, let me go, please. Let me go. Yeah, I'll kill put me. my helmet down. And he, and he, he actually said to me, fuck off. Yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> so like, this, Darren's swinging at me with the machete and the other Bobby's trying to stop him. Bobby slipped over and Darren hits him with the machete. Hits the policeman with the machete. Wow, you just seen like slow motion. You seen the blood come out, and I thought he's killed him. So now I'm really scared. So I, I've nutted the policeman to let go of me. Yeah, right? and we fell over. It's, it was raining, so it's very slippy. And I've ended up on top of the policeman, but, but Darren's swung the machete and let go of it. It's down the side of me, and I'm going to mention this because it, it, it sticks in my mind. I picked the machete up, right, and I went to the bobby on the floor. Don't worry, it's okay. And I threw the machete over a school wall. A big brick wall, yeah. Fleetham Street School, and I threw the machete away. And by that time, there's loads of bobbies there, and obviously one of, one of their colleagues is being hit with a machete on the head. Yeah, he's been rushed to hospital. About as we're getting back to the police station, it it is the saying he's like he's not going to make it. Yeah. So like I'm in the back of the van, you can imagine he's like. God, he's killed a Bobby fucking hell. So he's actually sharp machete too. Yeah. You see a lot of people who use machetes. Yeah. It's like warning. Yeah. The blunt. Yeah. So they can't actually kill yeah. you. All right. This Adam's a psychopath. So now we're in the back of the van, both handcuffed, and we're both soaked and wet. And like, we, like Darren's going, what are we going to do? And I went, you've hit a fucking Bobby, mate. You've hit a Bobby on the other axe. Got the police station, they reversed the van in. You open the back doors, and I swear down, I just seen. About 40 bobbies with the shirts wide open. Like, I, wow. So I've put kicked Darren out first. Like, go on, get out. <laughs> so I've kicked Darren out. You party. Oh, yeah, but honestly, the, the battered him more than the battered me, to be truthful. And then we got to the, the reception desk, the charge desk, and it was different years ago, and we both covered in blood. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been filled in. It's their colleague. Oh, they've lost a temper, the, yeah. the human. So about the, Darren's a little bit, he's not as streetwise as me. So I'm stood at the desk and I'm with the desk sergeant. He's asked us how many of us. I went, I ain't moving from here. Is that camera working here? I said, I'm not moving, we're not moving from here. He went, why? I went, because you know why? They're going to kill us. And now I, I want to see a doctor. I feel bad, I feel faint. I want yeah. to see a doctor. So they sat us down and they sent for the doctor. And the doctor took us both in rooms. Stripped us off and took photographs of us. Probably saved your life, Dak. They would have fucking... Uh... Oh, they would have killed us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got you yeah. in the fucking yeah. cell, that would have been it. So the outside doctor took photographs of us, and that, that was okay. But then we get put in cells, and Darren's shouting stuff down at me, and I'm thinking, no, shut up. <laughs> you know, like, what shall I say? Shall I say I meant to hit him on the head with the axe? Because like, Darren's a little bit slow. God love him. And anyway, I, I got jailed for that. That's me two and a half years I got the jail for. So did you get charged for what happened to the cop? We got what it was. A conspiracy. In them days, I could be wrong, but you needed three people to charge with the fray. Yeah. So they charged his brother, because he stood there. He never ran away. Got you. They charged him with the fray. They got you with something. Yeah. They were probably trying to stick on throwing a a lethal weapon. At first we were were going to be charged with attempted murder on the police officer, but obviously he recovered quite quickly, actually. So it can't have been that bad. But then the charge of three was with the fray. 
Dad hadn't got four yet, I got three. And Harry got six months more than me, and he did the policeman with the axe. His brother got six months in detention centre. Did the cop remember that you'd thrown the weapon away and told him you're going to be OK? Well, do you know what it was? When I was in court up court for the... Uh, we all pleaded not guilty. Uh, I got found guilty. But that ginger policeman who used me as a shield stood up in court, and I remember his words. He went, uh, asked if he, if he recognised you. That's Patrick Maloney. Uh, I remember I was on the floor. Patrick was knelt over me. I closed my eyes. I feed for my life. I thought I'd never see my two daughters alive again. As Patrick had the axe held, the machete held over my head. I looked and I thought, I never, you just tell the truth. Mm. I, I, thought, I saved your life and I saved yeah. my own life. You know I, I thought mean? the story was going to go. Yeah. I thought the story was going to go really mad. I thought you were going to say, you threw the machete over the school wall and it's, it's a kid. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this was like... That would be really like, fucked up, wouldn't yeah. it? But Debbie was pregnant. Debbie was pregnant at the time with our Curtis. And uh, and I, I didn't go home. That was it. I was on remand and I got, I got three and a half year with Darren. And that's when I went to Durham. And that's when I met Viv Graham. That was when Viv Graham was in there, in Kevawa. But... Uh, it's it's you've been to jail yourselves. Yeah, no matter what people tell you, it's not a nice. How long were you in Durham for? About six months before you got allocated. No, I was I was in Durham for about uh, about ten weeks. Yeah, and I got shipped out to Acklington. Acklington, yeah. Yeah, Acklington. Yeah, that. it was okay then. I think it's a bit rough now. Like, I love the billets, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I stayed on sea wing. Yeah, yeah, I stayed on the induction wing. Stayed on there. Uh, I I done a couple of courses in there. I done a PTI course in there. But the thing was, like, the promise you when you were doing a course, it would come out more up with college. You, on your thing at HP, HP uh, Acklington. What year was that? I was there in 92. 92. And I've been, okay, this is, okay, this is 27, 27, so 27 years ago. We'll take us to... I'm shit at math. Uh, yeah. I was in there. Ninety-three. Rob Armstrong. Rob Armstrong was in there when I was in there. That's a big you almost at the same time. Almost at the same time. I was right next to some fucking. Um, it was a big prison, or one of you. Yeah. You, you, you could people could be there. You'd never see them. I, I was there with there was um, a group there called Screwdriver, and it was this guy who was politically religious called Bigsy, and he'd um, some they were from London, and they'd yeah. go to them from Brixton because you could. Yeah, keep him in Brixton. because yeah. he had all these like racial tattoos on his yeah. head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I remember when I went in there, it took me to my little little cell, uh, one one man cell, and you could have your own fucking pillars. You could have your own this. And yeah, you got your own stuff sent in. Within, within ten minutes, so it's a Scotch lad, and he's like, "Yeah, I try a couple of them, and give me a few semi-jesics, yeah. semis." Yeah, Took a couple really. of them, had a good fucking sleep, and yeah. then fucking hell, 14 months later. They always say a prison, you remember your first day, your last day, and the rest is just a blur, isn't it? Yeah. I it wasn't bad. Like I say, it was a big jail, it was all billets, wasn't it? The food was good. Yeah, it was okay, yeah. The, the screws were all like, they're all, like, all old yeah, man as well, like, ex-man as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't you don't sell a lot, were you? You yeah. locked down at fucking yeah. say, like 10 o'clock. Well, they'd... Uh, and it counts. That Rob Armstrong who was in there with me, he was a big fellow. I find him okay. He was uh, Viv Graham's right hand man, I think. He's oh, the best ah, friends. Right. They were best of friends. He was a big fella, like. I was I got hassle in there because of when I first got in there, because a lot of people thought I was scouse. Now, at that particular time, I'm not saying all scousers are fucking cell robbers, but at that particular time, they'd had a few big scouse lads in there. Yeah. I'd be going into cells, robbing yeah. the cells. Yeah. 
So it's a no-no, isn't it? It is a no-no. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they also asked the my accent and thought I was Scouse. I'm yeah. like, no, 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 Scouse. Yeah. From Widnes. Yeah. Where the fuck's that? Isn't <laughs> it's a little chemical, yeah. chemical town. Yeah. But it just seemed to go on from there with, with me, Jill. And when I come out, I'm still with Debbie there. And we was Did you get a job? Did you get in the kitchen? You know, no, right? but I, in, in there, I was in the Millbag shop at first. We used to have a ah, Millbag right. shop near the canteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, actually making Millbags. Which you would think is a fallacy, but you do make meal bags. I got in the kitchen, and then from the kitchen, I got on a. Um, it was like, yeah, detail, where I just go around and fucking. Tidy around the garden, the garden, you used to yeah. walk around, didn't you? Go and say hi to people, yeah. fucking through the windows and shit, yeah. and have a flag, yeah. have a joint, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Get fucking bottles of whiskey and everything there. Though. Yeah, it was quite, quite easy going, yeah. jail. But then I'd done the PTI course, so I was in the gym quite a lot. And. Uh, I just missed him, but I'd become friends with him later on. Uh, Elry Anley. Have you heard of Elry Anley? Oh, yeah. You must know me if you're on witness. Rugby player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Where, that's where, he was in Ackleton. What was he in there for? Oh, was he? I don't know who he was in for, but he, 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 that's where he learned to play rugby. That's where he, he apparently learned to play rugby in there. Ah. Yeah. And we'd become friends. He used to come down to see me in a speakeasy. And uh, he used to stop at our house, Elry. Yeah, he was. And then he went on to be uh, changed the rugby. He changed over, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Changed over. Yeah. Did you get paid to do the mailbags? Six quid a week, seven quid a week. Did yeah. you have any other hustles then? No, do you know? I, no, I, I didn't uh, bother. I didn't bother because I didn't need anything. Like I say, I wasn't a user. If you use drugs, you, you need some sort of thing, you know what I mean? Kitchen was best paid. Yeah. You, I got 12 yeah. quid in the kitchen. 12 quid. Yeah. And every day you could come home with a big stossy. Yeah. But we been in the gym and doing that gym course there. Eh? We used to go to the baths every Sunday morning. Okay. When it was empty, six o'clock in the morning, we could go swim in the baths. The gym orderly is about eight of us. Yeah. In Morpeth until the first customer paid in. As soon as the first customer paid in, we had to come out. Come out. On a Sunday morning. So we had our perks, you know what I mean? It's the only prison I know where you could open, you come out your cell and go walk in another billet. Yeah. Or any yeah. fucking billet you want to, you yeah. know. They had a television room, didn't it, at the end? Yeah. yeah, that. yeah. you got to sit in the television room. The good thing about that was you had your own cell. Yeah. You had your own cell. That was fucking yeah. brilliant, man. Yeah. But then I, I come out of there and uh, me and Dale had gone our separate ways. Families falling out and uh, yeah. over drugs and money, we'd, we'd gone our separate ways. And I was on my ass. I, I never had a light, I never had an out, but people think you've got money. You go out to jail and people think, oh, that's Paddy Maloney. He's, he's got you a few stashed. Yeah, yeah. You, you haven't, have you? No. And being in jail is expensive when you've got what a What money family. I had, yeah. I'd done an insurance claim, Rex making, and I'd got three and a half grand. The week I got sent down. Yeah. And I actually spent that in there because whenever I got visits, they'd bring me a couple of hundred quid. That's what I'm saying. Or I'd get semi-Jesics off these two fucking brothers and um, Paul and I forgot the other one's called now. Um, and... I'd have money sent to their house. Yeah. And then they'd give me the pills. Yeah. Or whiskey, yeah. whatever the fuck hell I wanted. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, but it's easy to spend hundred fucking pounds in there. Yeah. Isn't it? Easy. Yeah, like I say, it's expensive to keep it in jail. I mean, the wife coming to visit me. Yeah. She has still has to pay the bills when she's out there. She's got yeah. the kids' uniforms to buy. So like, I mean... She... You've got to pay your debts. Yeah. So God love her, you know what I mean? But when I called jail, we never had an outlet. I had an outlet. I'd left a little jar for her. I think it was about two and a half grand, which was quite a lot of money, but it's yeah. gone, it's gone. So I come out and I'm on my ass, and I'm like, fucking what am I going to do? Need to get a job. So there's a fella called John McCormick. He was pretty big in the drug world, and uh, he worked with a man called Brian Charlton. Okay. Have you heard of Brian Charlton? Mm-hmm. Brian Charlton was probably the one of the biggest drug dealers in Great Britain. 
uh, it was the ingots. Remember the ingots coming in with the cocaine in. Brian Charlton was involved in that with uh, what was it? Was the one from Liverpool? Curtis Warren. Curtis Warren, yeah. yeah. Oh, on the ships, Colombian, yeah. the Colombian cartels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah. that was that yeah. was Brian Charlton. God, yeah. Right. I never ever worked with Brian. I, I didn't need to because I worked with John McCormick, who was yeah. who was good friends with him. So uh, I'm at home one day and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I can't get a job. There's no happening for me. So I walks over to the pub. John had two pubs. Could you go back on the doors? No, I was too. I was getting too old. And I had a family, and it was two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning is no good. No. Debbie wouldn't have put up with that. With that. So I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm about to drug dealer. <laughs> so I go to see I John. Say that. <laughs> I go to see John, and he's, he's got his pub. So when I walk in the pub, people are like, like, what's he doing in here? So I'm going over at the bar, and I've got a little bottle. John's come next to me, went to me. All right, what are you doing in here, pad? I said, I need to see you, mate. Can I have a crack with you? Right. Not being disrespectful, he goes to me, give me 10 minutes and come over the corner. So that's actually, that's actually his place of business. That's where he does his business. Yeah. So I goes over and I sat with him. What do you want? I went, I'm on my ass, mate. I was in, can you sort us a number out now? He went, a number? I went, yeah. Don't forget I've been doing, like, before that, 50 kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he went, yeah, 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 come back in an hour. So I goes home, as I walk about, walk, cuts through the cemetery, goes back to Thornley. He went, have a quick drink pad and then, Fully staffy in the toilet. He's got it for you. So goes in the toilet, gives me a bag and I'm off. Gets home, he's giving me a kilo. So I he's not going to fuck around with a nine bar. No, he knows what no, you can not, get rid of. No. <laughs> so he got, I phoned him, he went to me, Pad, sort you it out, mate. Whenever. Yeah. So he's giving me he's giving me a K and then it goes from there. So he's got me back on my feet. It takes me about three months and I'm back on my feet. And this carry on with Brian Charlton. Mm-hmm. He's sort of involved in it. So he does want to Spain. He moves to Spain and lives in Spain. So, like, I'm just plodding away. I'm doing bits with him. And then there's a man called John McPartland, very similar names. John McPartland's a, was a massive, real, real true life gangster. And uh, I got on really well with him. And he was from Winniebanks in Middlesbrough. Done lots and lots of jail, John McPartland. A lot of jail. I have a lot of respect for the man. And I, I, I was working with him, bits and bobs. Not regular, but if I wanted something, I, I, he'd get me it. And we become good friends, and and you know I always paid on time, and you know these are guys who wouldn't get caught. They say fuck all. Yeah, he's, do, he's done a lot of jail, John. He yeah. died. In, he actually died in jail. Well, he died in jail. A lot of respect with John McPartland. So then I goes on a family holiday with Debbie to Spain, not thinking anything about John McCormick. And yeah. I'm in a restaurant. We're in a restaurant. Me and Debbie with the kids, and I, and I can hear someone shouting, "Oh, fat bastard!" Right? So I'm like Debbie, that's a Middlesbrough accent there. My wife goes, that's a Middlesbrough accent. I went, shut up. There's about a lot of little bars everywhere and everyone's eating. No. I had a look round too, don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so then, <laughs> someone stood behind me and I turned on, he went, are you all right? It was John McCormick, the lad, who, the lad who helped me out. <laughs> so I spent a couple of days with him and I realised that he's working over there and he's doing really well. He's got a good friend called Ahmed who was a Moroccan. Every good drug dealer is a good Moroccan. <laughs> In Spain, so we, you know, we chatting, spend a few nights with him. I'm with the family, so I'm on holiday, so it's nothing like that. And then about two nights before I'm going home, I said I'm going home on just say Friday. This is Wednesday night, going home Friday. Yeah, have a crack with me before you go. Yeah, and I remember sitting in the pub with him, just me and him. He went to me, do us a favour, Pad. I'm on my ass. I'm like, you know, yeah. Whatever spending money you've got left, can you leave us it, and I'll I'll make sure you get it back. And I said, you're on your ass. He went, not on my ass. I've got <coughs> cash flow problems. And I'll make sure everything's all right. So I goes home. 
I tell Debbie and she's going like, you know, what are you giving him money for, blah, blah. As women are, what are you giving him money for? You so know what comes around. I, I had around. a couple of hundred quid left, so I asked the father who was with us. Yeah. We all chipped in, and I left a grand for him. I thought, I'll never say that again in my life. That's the, I've given me, he helped me. Yeah. I'm helping him. And about four weeks later, he phoned me, come over, Pad. I paid for your flight, so I flies over. Mm. And that was it. I, I was just getting like 300k a month off oh, John. Yeah. And I mean, the man was massive over there. He was massive. You know, he, he, had, he had his own little, he had two little pubs and he's done his business from them. And like... You, got, don't, you don't, never have to curry over? No, I just come home and throw wagons and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. What I'd get a phone call, it's in Coventry. It's in, it never landed at the same place twice. It's in Coventry. It's in the Blackwall Tunnel. It's so-and-so, so-and-so. And I'd send someone down for it. And then, and I, 300k a month I used to get. Nice me rocking. Oh, yeah. And I, and I started spending a lot of time over there. I become involved in his business over there. Uh, I become part of his if he's his entourage. It's like green in the middle, that isn't it? You burn it. Yeah. It's like black and green in the Get different. That's where the stamp comes in. That's why yeah. I know about the stamp because uh, John I'd say, yeah. say to John, oh, they're going mad for the one with the Mercedes stamp on. He went, Pad, whatever stamp you want on, just tell me. And you can put anything on because they just do it as it's, as it's getting done. The young ones nowadays, they find out what the competition is selling and yeah. they'll, they'll have to stamp yeah. and put it on. You have your own personal stamp if, if you want. If you get caught, they got to look at it and think, oh, do you know what that stamp is? Yeah. It's the competition, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's not why Pablo Escobar put CIA on some CIA, of CIA, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, it, I mean, John was massive over there and I'd become part of his entourage where he'd have speed, John and he'd own speedboats, he'd buy, buy and sell speedboats, like for the beach parties, he used to do beach parties over there. There's many Scouse kids that done that. I mean, they were on decent money, they used to get £5,000 a time for a beach party. So it was like living like the... Um... I was so, living out, out, out of my means. I was living like well above what I'd been. Like the business. Still, yeah. Do you know something? You, if you if you knew John McCormick, you would think the business was based on him. Yeah. You would honestly. His lifestyle, and uh, he was he had bags of money. He didn't even know he had he had it. Yeah. He, he had like carry bags of money under his bed and everything. The man was a, he was a millionaire twice over. What and was that one called, Sean? Where it was like it was two young lads and they started raving and they went over there and they ended up getting really big. Weekenders, was it? Oh, I can't remember what the title is. It's a good, really good yeah. one, though. I think I've seen that, yeah. It's a yeah. good one. I like them old school ones, mate. I like yeah. the old, like, those Sergio and Fila. Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast and all that, yeah. yeah. But he, he had a tight, tight-knit thing, John, John McCormick. Ahmed, me, and a couple of people who he trusted around him. I think everyone knows where Ahmed from Morocco, don't they? Yeah, Ahmed, you know? yeah. <laughs> I, I still see him, you know, I still speak to Ahmed. He has yeah. his own leather shop now, yeah. I still see him when I go over there, yeah. Yeah, I like Ahmed, yeah, he was a nice fella. And it, things started to fall apart when there's cocaine and this stuff come in, you know, like the crack and all that come in. Before that, though, how were you distributing hundreds of kilos? Did you have, like, certain people it went to? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, when you, I mean, 300 kilo, I'd have a local kid in Middlesbrough take 60, Scotland take 80. I, I had maybe five or six customers. Did you give them on credit? Three got credit, two never. Two never. One was a local lad who never got credit. But not full credit, they'd have to pay some. What what, what the lad would do, he was a, a park end lad from Park End. He'd come to me and he'd go to me, right, I don't know when it's coming, but there's 50 grand. Yeah. Whatever the price comes at, I want 50 grand's worth. And I'd, I'd have his money for two weeks. Yeah. And I'd phone him and he'd come, you know. So, like, there was a lot of trust there. But, yeah, I mean... So that's not really credit, because that's... 
That's no. your up front money, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, got, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's only one lad one lad from Middlesbrough uh, from I used to give him credit. And he'd, he'd pay me with him every four or five days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you have any problem with the cops getting any of the shipments? Or? No, do you know, like, in them days, it, it was quite... The police were a little bit more... You know, then when if I was you kept a kid. it to five or six, you wouldn't have even fucking know. And, and I wasn't flash. I still lived in, on a council estate, yeah. even though we were buying the house. I didn't have big flash cars. I didn't rub it in people's faces. Do you know what I mean? You got a nice TV, though. I had a lovely TV. <laughs> <laughs> and under and, and uh, what they call them? A proper uh, port, picture, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, what they call it? No, a picture like you get done in, like of a proper artist and that. Oh. Yeah. Paintings and yeah, stuff. Yeah, proper painting, yeah. Yeah. When, when we got raided, the police took loads of photographs of the house and made a big issue with this. You, like, had, you had that, didn't you? Like yeah, a bit of art. Things, yeah. yeah. But then, as things do, all the good things coming to an end and like things started falling apart in Spain. I mean, I was making a good living off it. And uh, I always remember one of the occasions, there was, there was a Cockney fellow that he used for the boat and he was in England. He took a fair share of it as well because it wasn't just 300 key come home. They might be... 3,000 key come home. Yeah. I got three, the rest got distributed. Yeah. Because everyone would put on the transport, like Cockneys, Manx, whatever. And uh, John had said, like, blah, 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 we're going to make you part of the the thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, great, brilliant. So would you actually get to meet sort of the others? Yeah, yeah. There was one there called Limpy Neil, called him Limpy Neil. He was from London. A uh, little, little fella, angry, always had a little angry face. And uh, he, he's what they call it. There's bound to be some scousers there. They get everywhere. Lots of scousers, yeah. Lots of scousers. I didn't mind the scousers, though. Good crack, yeah, Harley. Yeah, I like the scousers, yeah. But this little Limonil, he got killed in England not long after. What he'd done, he'd... Uh, he's a little bit shifty. Like, he, if he organised a transport, you can guarantee, oh, it's gone down. There's no, there's no proof, is there? Mm. All he do is pick a paper up. Oh, they found so and so and so and so in France. Oh, transport's gone down in France. So yeah. Just conning people. After daily. And he got through off uh, some flats in uh, London. Got, got through off, killed. Yeah. Get hell. But that, that was Limpy Neil. And the, on about the Scousers, there's two kids that were in a. Uh, what they call it, Spook. You just mentioned the Scouse fella. Curtis Warren. You didn't care. They call him Twit and Twat. <coughs> well, I met them. And uh, Twisted Swat. That, that's the nickname in the book. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, one was called Noon. Uh, oh, Noon. Noon, Noon. Yeah. And Amelia. No family. Noon and Amelia. Yeah. These two kids were called. They both just finished massive sentences. I think they got 30 odd year for ecstasy. And uh, and I become friends with them. So like, you're meeting loads of different people. And then all of a sudden, this Irish fellow come along. Called him, obviously, Irish Brian. Yeah. I mean, you're in Spain, it's 30 odd degrees, and this man used to wear a crombie and a cravat. <laughs> so he, stood, he, stood, he stood out. But he was coming into the same pubs where we were all drinking, and he was just at the bar. He'd always have two men with him, two. Yeah. yeah. And he was drinking, and he was getting in. And before long, he befriended John, and him and John were having little meetings and that. And uh, it, it just sort of took over, and like, what was happening? There was no drugs, no one took cocaine then. Yeah. Size Brian introduced the cocaine. So everyone's taking cocaine and chilling out. Best drug in the world, mm -hmm. cocaine. Best drug in the world. And uh, Ice Brian's, he's wormed his way in and he's, he's bringing all these little fellas in and like the Scousers are getting pushed out. Yeah. Ahmed, like he went, I don't want out to do with him, he's bad news, you know. Ahmed left, so now he's become dependent on Ice Brian. 
and I had a crap with John, and I went, what's going on? And he went, listen, I'm just going to put up with him, because, this is, I mean, I don't know if he was, he's in the RIA, and all right, oh, yeah. And he went, and we can get, you couldn't get drugs into Ireland unless the RIA said you could. Yeah. So he, he said he can sort it. So John had this massive vision of flooding Ireland with marijuana. And making a fortune because they could charge what they wanted. Yeah, that's fine though. It is we'll have a podcast. What you, you like people like that, don't you? Yeah, well, he's Brian. You like to have a variety. Yeah. yeah. He's dead. Oh. oh. He got killed in Mayas. Uh, he got shot in Mayas about, about nine years ago. I was just being sarcastic anyway. I know, sure. because yeah. <laughs> um, we, did, we had a loyalist paramilitary gunner on twice, Frank. Shout out yeah. to Frank. Brilliant uh, guy. Frank. Um, yeah. So it will, probably would be good to get the other side on as well. You've got to call it a... Uh, you got shot in my ass and they said, fight the car. We'd have been dead about nine years ago. But he, he, he was a bad man. But it's true, the IRA, you, you won't be able to get nothing in there without the permission. No, that's what, that was the idea, you see. That's yeah. what he was telling John, but he, I, I think he was lying. But cut long story short, I've been promised part of the thing. So when the shipment goes home and 300k, I've got 30k on. So I shook hands, oh, brilliant, John, I'm over the moon, because I was only getting £50 a k off them. So I th- come over and I'm buzzing. I'm going to get me 50 pounds plus 30 grand, 30k. And to me, you know, it was going to turn my life around. And it uh, goes over just before the t- shipment comes home. Shipment, no, the shipment's gone home and there's, there's 30k left. And uh, John said, Can you shift that 30k pad? I went, I can, mate. So I said, Left, add it on to the next one. Yeah. I went, I've sold, I've, I've done my quota and there's 30k left. Even though I could do with it getting rid of it. I went, I can't. I'm not going to go and advertise it. It's done, John. And Irish Brian comes over the table and goes to me, uh, get rid of that for his pad. So like, I'm, I've just told him, no, I can't. No, I want rid of it. And I went, I can't get rid of it, mate. It's done. Yeah. I mean, add it on. We need to buy a new boat. This is what John's saying. We need the money to buy a new boat. I went, I can't do it, John. And, oh, Paul then. Fucking hell. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And <laughs> my, my pal who's doing Life Now, Paul Brian, who Jamie's writing a book about, is sat two tables away. Edie Wigan, being nosy. So he leans over and goes, John, I don't mean to be nosy, but I can do that. We both live in Middlesbrough. So John says to me, hey, this is a true story. Uh, Paul, it's the truth, I can't help it. <laughs> Paul won't be, be happy. But, and uh, he goes like, I can do that. So John says, are you okay with that? I went, not really, mate. You know, it's Maggie, yeah? Yeah. I babysat me. And like, he went, just this once. So yeah, you can have it, Paul. Goes home. Geese in a caravan of Primrose Valley, Paul the keys, I was filming. Give him the keys, you have it. Paul takes the 30k and whatever he does, I don't know. It's nothing to do with me. Yeah. But he doesn't pay for it. Mm. Well, that's not down to you either, is it? Well, according to Irish Brian, it was because I was the man in, in, in Middlesbrough. So, like, the phone of me, phone of me, and off the heads on coke. And I'm, what are you on about? I haven't seen him. Chase him. I'm not chasing him, mate. Your problem. So, Irish Brian takes a wobbler and decides to come and kill me. Mm. Oh, God. So he does, he flies over and like me and John's having arguments on the phone. I'm going, John, you're out of order. You're off your, you're off your face, mate. Don't tempt me for that. I'll come over there and I'll fucking kill you. Because I wasn't scared of John. Yeah. I'll come in your pub and I'll, I'll, I'll rip your head off, mate. Don't don't threaten my family. So I'm downstairs one day and this local lad comes up from, who used to go to Spain. I called Chucker. Knocks on my door, brings him in. Sit down, Chucker, put the telly on. And he started crying. I went, what's the matter? He went, I'm sorry. I've sorry. been sent to kill you. These two lads, these two blokes, Irish Brian's outside with his pal. They're going to kill you. I mean, you fucking... You brought him to your house? You brought him to my house, man. You phoned me. And he was crying. Anyway, I don't know what happened to me. He disappeared. Then my wife starts screaming. Irish Brian's laid across his car with a gun in at the bedroom. So I ran out and they've took off the flow off. So I phoned John. He 
gives me Brian's number. I phone him, Brian, and I said, I'll come and meet you. It's too late, it's too late. And they had come to kill me. Fucking hell. So I phoned Paul Brian, I went, yo, you little shit. They're at my door here, so he flies over and they're in my house. I send my wife and kids away. I send them to Arrogate, to my sister's place, out the way. And before you know it, I've got me and two of my brothers, Paul, his brothers, and we're in my house. I think it'd have fucking phone Brian Corcoran up last week. Could he help me out with it? Brian, Brian's okay with the old street fighting, but I think when it comes to guns, it's different world, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, we're in the house and we've got all sorts of... I mean, I've never used guns, never. Did you have... Were you strapped up yourself? Or did, did you have any guns? Yeah, Paul, or, Paul comes over. Paul Brian comes yeah. over, like, Pad, there's one for you, there's... And give me a handgun, mate. Like, it's loaded. This is how you use it. I'm like... Wow, what's going well, on? Well, it's here? even now, isn't it? You know what I mean? Now, you're not going. You're not going to a gunfight with a fucking knife, are you? I was going to any gunfight. I was, <laughs> I was shooting myself. So he's giving this gun, and one lad got a, a, a crossbow. I was like, God, what's going on? Yeah, what am I then. doing? And me, me, well, just fell apart. Yeah. And, and that was at the time when it when, got a bit too real for you. Yeah, it, got, it, it was really real. And I, and I'm, this is when it brought back to basics. I'm not a Major league drug dealer, no, I'm not, never have been. My adrenaline goes with shit like that. I my adrenaline was going. I mean, I was walking about and I had a gun down my thing, and I was like, God, what am I doing? And I Did you all... feel good though? Did you feel no? Like, I was ah. petrified because these this, these were going to kill me. And while living in my house, like this, they'd gone to pause and knocked on his door with a gun, and when it was wife, we were going to kill the pair of them. She phoned yeah. the place, so like everyone's up, like, and I'm thinking, and it was at the time when I was a little bit low in my life and I'd started using cocaine. They shouldn't threaten the women, though, should they? Yeah. I don't think. So this is the time when I went on the cocaine myself and uh, I'd never touched drug in my life. Well, I think you've got to go on it. You had, you had good reason to, you know what I mean? I, that's, the excuse <laughs> I, that, that's the excuse I used, but it wasn't really an excuse. It was like I'd become addicted like quite quickly to it. Yeah. Because I had access to it. I could never really snort it because... I've had my nose broke that yeah. many times and you just get stuck. I end up yeah. rocking it up and smoking it crack. I'll tell you the truth, it's the best drug in the world, cocaine, when you first take it, but it gets older, yeah, it destroys you, and it got older me, and like, God, my life just plummeted. So were they in town then, and you're like paranoid on coke? Yeah. yeah. In town? We were looking for them. And I knew, I knew what car he was in because he drove off and I'd seen the car. Yeah. So now I'm off my tits now on coke and me and my brother... Two We're looking for them. Went round the hotels looking for them. And uh, we obviously never found them. And it went on for ages. We had police presence outside the house. They were parked outside the house in a, in a van. Bobby's. Uh, I don't know what they call it. Who called the police? What did that one? They'd gone to a blues... No, like I said, done a blues parties no more. Got yeah, yeah. Teddy yeah. Dixon had a place called the Steam Packet over the border. Oh, uh, right. And they were in the Steam Packet, right? Bragging. They'd come to kill Paddy yeah. Maloney. So Kev Howard was in there, lad I was in jail Go with. Back to you. And Kev come and saw me. And it was all over the town before. Yeah. I, when I woke up the next morning, there was a police van packed on my front. And I opened the door, and we've got all them guns in the house. And uh, he went, all right, Paddy, good morning. Quiet night. I went, yeah, yeah, yes, sound me. I've shut the door, and I went, fucking hell. That's took the fun out of it. So we had Debbie's friend in the next door, but one he's a gay lad called David. Poor lad shit himself. He, our bathroom window, yeah. Our bathroom window opened into his back garden. Got yeah, right there on. The, so I phoned him. Come to the bathroom window, David. I've got a present for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see you to this day. He's still our friend, and it's in the book. And he come to me and went, Paddy, you bastard! <laughs> Everyone's asking me if that's me in the book. So I pa- we passed the stuff out to him. 
Give him some coke as well. Yeah. Like. No, he didn't take coke. I, I paid him. But th that was like... I'm laughing and joking about it now. It was At horrible. the time, it wouldn't be funny. It was horrible, it was horrible. And I put my me, me family through... It was dangerous. I mean, that's what he's doing. That's what he's saying. I think yeah. it's horrible because... <laughs> I think if, if I had been on my own or with the lads, I'd have really, really enjoyed that situation. But if it had been with my woman, it'd have been a completely oh. fucking different situation, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, because one phone call he phoned me while he was there, he just barely went to me. Oh, what call it? You're someplace. Sounds alright, fucking nuts like. Oh, yeah, you're someplace football for so and so, so and so in an orange and black top. And he did. he did. I still don't understand how it's on you, though, if he's given it to some other Yeah, what happened guy. to him if he jacked it? They think you've co-signed, yeah, but you yeah, haven't. Yeah. But the guy who jacked it... Paul. What, did they get him in the end? In, in, they nearly got him. What happened? All this, all shit at the fan, right? You said no three times. When yeah. You turned around and the, yeah. that guy said, well, I can do it. Yeah. And you said, no, I'm not happy with that. Yeah. And he said, that, good it's anyway. It's on his toes, So it's it? on his toes? Yeah. So eventually, John Mack... <laughs> I get a phone call. We, we, I packed all the drugs in it. I've got a pub called, I'll call it Half Penny in Groveville. Middlesbrough and John phones me and we're having loads of show on the phone and anyway he wants to make up so he comes home he's living in Denmark now comes home and I go through all the paperwork and I say John you owe me 30 grand I always take my wages last long story short we, we were we were good friends from the start and it yeah. was easy to make back up it was easy to become friends again and we did become friends again right but he wanted Paul Bryan because he realised it was Paul Bryan that owed him the money yeah he was never going to get Paul Paul is a psychopath. He's like a jackal. He's got split personality. And uh, he goes to Holland. Paul goes to Holland to Amsterdam with two friends for a weekend. And his two friends go out drinking while Paul's in the hotel yeah. making phone calls, whatever. So these two lads from Middlesbrough, just two normal, quiet lads who are not into anything, go into this pub called the Four Roses in Amsterdam, right? Goes into the Four Roses and it's John Mack's pub. They haven't got a clue who John Mack is. He hears the accent and he goes, All right, lads, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Eston, South Bank. I'm from Middlesbrough. All right. What are you doing over there? Oh, oh we're with such a Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my mates brought, oh, my mates brought me over. What's the chance of that? He isn't, is there? Brilliant. Your mate? Wow. Who's your mate? Paul Bryan. Oh, oh right. Trouble. Yeah. So John goes, Paul, Paul Bryan. I know Paul Bryan, yeah. Listen, do us a favour. Give me a ring. Don't tell him that you're those. Tell him to get down to Four Roses. Tell him you found this pub that's cheap as chips and it's spot on. Get him down here. Don't let him know where he is. So he's on the phone. Paul walks in. Fucking brilliant. Doors are locked. Yeah. Honestly, and these two lads, Paul said to myself, Pad, he said, I actually shit myself. Yeah. And he goes in. The two lads are petrified. They're crying in the corner. Well, let's go wrap it to the two lads. They wouldn't have done it then, would yeah. you? No. So he's, now he's got Paul in the thing. Uh, so Paul's like blah 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 and he went Paul had, he said to me I grasped you up Paul I blame Joe he said I said it wasn't me I'll give Paddy back when I got to Middlesbrough so John phones me in Middlesbrough he said he gave it you <laughs> he yeah, so had to gave, put it on you yeah I grasped you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's my mate though so, <gasps> so John phones me and goes to me I've got your mate here I went who's that he went Paul Bryan I went have you he went yeah he said he's saying that it was you this you that you that I went John fuck off I said you know the crack mate I, you know, yeah. went, I know, yeah. He went, do you want to say it to that to him? <laughs> do you want to say it to that to him? I went, not really, mate. I mean, just do what you do. What you do. Don't yeah. do with me. And I put the phone down. Paul said, while you were doing that, he went, I'm sat there. Listen. Yeah, he said, there's this fucking scouser with even the size you've ever seen. Got a gun in my head. And Paul went, don't make a mess in here. Just uh, 
take him out there, do what you've got to do, put him in a bag and we'll put him in the, in the canal tonight. And <laughs> Paul said, I was sat there and, and it definitely just sounds as if it's funny. He said, I knew for the fact that they were serious. Yeah. Scousekeeper was going to show me, put me in a bag and dump me in the canal. He went, and for about three seconds, he said, it seemed like a lifetime. He said, I looked around the pub and I thought, I've, I've, I'm done. This is it. Yeah. He went, I just ran and I just dived through the spray glass window. He went, I dived and I landed in the street. He said, that broke my ankle, my shoulder. He said, I just kept running and running and running. And he got, the Bobby's nicked him. Uh-huh. Bobby's nicked him. And like, he, like, what's happened? He went, I don't know, I must have took some it. I've took some it and I don't know what I've done. Okay, well. So he got kept in for a couple of days and uh, shipped him back home. And that was Paul. And then Paul just went like, he got himself in a bit of bother with down leads. And he's doing a... Are you still friends with him, are you? Yeah, yeah. Did they let it lie then? No. <laughs> they're, both, they're, both dead, they're both dead now. They're both... I'm sorry, Paul, John's dead. Paul's doing life. Yeah. Okay. So... So it's and, squashed. <laughs> yeah. He, he more or less got life at the same time as he got murdered. So Paul's... He's killed a bully in Leeds. Uh, I can't remember his name now. A rugby, ex-rugby player. Paul's, Paul's killed him and another fella and shot someone else. So he got, he got lifed off. Yeah. John was in Denmark. Uh, he was doing uh, amphetamine in Denmark, and uh, he he was shot. And he, he was living in a, in an apartment, and he got shot. He got shot in the apartment. How did you meet the rugby player there, really, Emily? He, he used to come down from Leeds. Oh. He used to come to speak easy from Leeds. Yeah, he was he'd like he used to come down for the music. They had DJs and that. Yeah, yeah. He used to we like we bumped into Dave Myers and. Um... He, he was with them. He was with Dave Myers and Matt. He's only little fella, he's only small. Yeah. He's only small. Was that in Manchester? Yeah, in Manchester. He's very small. He was in the clubs. In the and they gave you coke. Yeah. yeah he's only, I like That's the first time I've ever seen coke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like teenagers, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave's died now, God bless yeah. his soul, rest in peace. Yeah, but John got shot in Denmark and uh, he got put down to where uh, the Danish police phoned me because phone, my phone number was in his thing. And they put it down to where it woman that was killing drug dealers. But I, I, it's, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think it was a domestic with him and his missus. No, they've got in Mexico now, and it's a true story. Yeah. I've known it years ago because I lived there. But it, I've actually seen it on the TV now. They've got women who will turn around and get you high mm. and they'll take you in a hotel room yeah. and they'll cut your fucking livers out and you fucking sell it. Oh, yeah, big market yeah, organs. Yeah, yeah. Really big market. yeah. yeah. Mm. Amazing that though, isn't it? Yeah. So Jamie mentioned the Paul Bryan murders in Leeds. That's it. What it, what it was, he was he'd moved to Leeds, Paul, out the way, because he, you know, for, for all sorts of different reasons. And he was doing okay down there. And he used this pub. And and this rugby player was was a bit of a bully in the pub. You'd yeah. go in the pub and like they had a betting shop next door to it, and if you've had a win, he'd come over and take your money off you and stuff like that. Yourselves. Yeah, he was he was a big fella though. He was, yeah. he, was he, he was a top rugby player at one time. You're talking something like Lee Duffy. Yeah. You know, six foot four, solid muscle. A bit like a British shit house. And the lad who owned the pub, uh, he, was, he wasn't an idiot, you know what I mean? I mean, I won't say his name because he's still alive. And yeah. uh, he's coming out one night out of the car park and this black fella follows him out and goes like, listen, I'll leave your punters alone if you give me a couple of grand a week. And the lad, yeah, 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 whatever. Think, I'm a dog, you've got to go out and shot him in the car park. Phone Parliament, I've just killed him. Will you make sure our lass is okay? I'm going to fuck off. Yeah. But he hadn't killed him. He'd shot uh, him and knocked him out. 
he's grazed him and knocked him out. If you're going to do it, you might as well fucking put two he in thought, the He head. thought he had killed him. He thought he had. So then this rugby player gets up and pulls himself together and won't leave the pub. The woman can't phone the police. She can't phone the police, so she's petrified. So the fella says to Paul, phones Paul, Paul's out having a meal. Will you do us a favour? Will you get rid of him for us? This is the story. Paul says it didn't happen this way, but Paul got the blame. He's supposed to have had a phone call, gone down, he's supposed to have gone in the pub the next morning. Black fella still sat there. He just shot the three of them. But Paul, he's doing life and he's saying he hadn't done the crime. He's always said to me he hadn't done it, but he got accused of killing them three. I think they had, had, they had it coming. Yeah. And that's why he moved to Leeds, Paul. Well, Paul, I mean, I visit Paul quite often now. I still visit him. I visit him once a month. Phones me all the time. And he's, his head's okay. He's been in about, what, 18 years. Is he at one with it? Yeah. Would you say he's institutionalised or do you think he's just getting on with the bad situation? Last few years, he, he, he was up and down. He's got grandkids now and now. Great yeah. grandkids. He wants to come home now. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's trying hard now. He's still cat here. If he if he behaves himself, he could be home in seven years. Well, he's, it's good that. But I bet when he first got in, he was a handful of money because you, you get a long time like that. He's a nightmare. I, I stopped visiting him because you're going on a visit and you couldn't even understand him. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He was just like they used to put him out and put him in a chair. He couldn't he couldn't even talk to you. Well, were there any other attempts on your life that you've not told us about? No, that that was that He's was. He's a good guy, this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I don't want people to think I'm glamorising this, you know, because we've we've laughed and joked on our way through it. But in the core, like the day, it, it was a, it was a horrible lifestyle. Yeah, it, it wasn't a very good lifestyle. Even though I can make fun of it now, at the time I can see I was hurting people. We don't want family. the youngsters to go on what no. we've done. We're just saying it. And we are laughing yeah. and joking about it, but, it, you know, it's scary. It's very it's, scary, it's, it, yeah. It's not for the faint-hearted. You put your family through hell. Yeah. Put my family through hell. Yeah, it's been, it's been a traumatic time for them. And for me, when I sit back and think about it. Because, like I said, I've said before, when you were doing stuff like that and you're involved, you don't realise how involved you really are until you sit back. That book I wrote there with Jamie... I read it on uh, on Kindle. I was on my own in the house. I read it. I swear it broke my heart. I've got no regrets, mate. I'm, I'm very rare like that. People yeah. say you must yeah. have some regrets over what you've done. And no, I don't yeah. have no regrets. I regret putting my family through it, through torturing them. You know what I mean? But then when I'd settled down, I've come to a bit. I've settled down, and we got we come back home. We went to live in Spain for a while, and uh, Debbie had a little salon. We were doing great. We got a mortgage over there, so we have an house over there. Which is mortgaged. People go, oh, Paddy's got a villa in Spain. Paddy didn't get a bar. I could see you as a barman. Well, that's, that's me intention, isn't it? When I made licenses up to go over and, yeah. and just open a daft little bar. You know, but like I say, we, we, we moved over there. Debbie had an hairdresser. Our kids were going to school. We got a mortgage. And like, I wasn't doing drugs. I was getting cigarettes from Gibraltar. And people coming over and I was filling the case and sending yeah. them home. And it got to the stage where. Good money's better than drugs now, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it, it got the stage where we were running out of money and like we were struggling and we got off of this club club back home in Middlesbrough, a social club, a workman's club, and we took it and we come home and it was where Debbie's from. And we were there for years, years. We've been there 14 years and uh, we've just left now. No, you say like workman's club, like, like a labour club. A yeah, club. yeah. A couple of snooker tables. Bingo, snooker tables, yeah. Five Turns on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were happy there, we were happy there. And then... Obviously, I said, Paul phones me. He phones me one day and he says to me, uh, never guess who I bummed it, no. In dispersals, dispersals is when you get moved about jails. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. On a block and I went, oh, you're Mick Morgan. I went, 
Fucking hell, Mick Morgan. Now, I used, to, I knew Mick Morgan. Like, I'm 62 now. I'll have been 19, 20, 21. We were that young. XR2s with the brand new cars. Ah, right. So, and I, I could only picture this snotty nose little scouse kid with scruffy black hair. They're fast as fuck, the next half. Yeah, that's, like, that's how I could, that's only I could picture them like that. Yeah. It's 40 year on. With the turbo. Yeah, and like, so he said, I've given me a phone number. I mean, what have you given my phone number for? <laughs> Even, well, he asked for it. Oh, Paul, man. So you know what's coming next, don't you? <laughs> I'm sat on my Sunday dinner one day. The phone goes, I pick the phone up. Scouse on the phone. All right, lads, it's Mick. And we're like, all right, Mick. You don't mind me phoning, do you? I'm a nice fella. What do I say? You know what I mean? Oh. Don't phone no more. Put the phone down. So I had a conversation with him. As long as it doesn't turn from a phone to a visit to put some money on my books. <laughs> yeah. So then you, everyone knows what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> Phones me a few weeks later. I've got some there. Uh, dynamite wizard you've had. Can you shift it for us? I mean, I don't do it no more, Mick. I'm out of it. Oh, you know, like, if you do, you know, let us know. A few weeks later, I'm downstairs in the pub talking. Local drug leaders are sat at the next table. Make conversation. Oh, you doing all right? No, Wiz is terrible, mate. I can't get it. Can you get us out like Pad? And I thought, oh, someone planned this. Yeah, someone it. planned this. <laughs> and so I went, well, I might be, leave it with me. Yeah. So next time Mick phones, I went, send us some down, Mick. So he went to me. He was working with a kid called Christopher Welsh. Did it smell like cat piss? Oh, yeah, it stinks, yeah. 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 And uh, so, he, so he went to me. Pasty, like. Yeah, be. No, do you know what it was like? Yes, yeah, like soggy. Yeah, stuff. yeah. You know what that is doing? You put vodka in it, don't yeah. I? Is that what it is? Yeah, they put vodka in it, yeah. Yeah, to keep, to, keep, to keep it right, yeah. I, I've had it, like... Coming down all sticky. Yeah, I've had it all sticky and it just, yeah. it just smells like yeah, cat piss. Yeah. And I've got high and I've tried to stash it. I've put it in the shed and I still think you can smell it. Yeah, you can smell it all you the time. You can smell can it, can no, you? that's why yeah. you, you open the cupboard, you can it. smell it, can't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, Mick's talking to me on the phone and he went, right, well, I'll send some down. But listen, this this is... So a kid called Christopher Welsh didn't mean nothing to me. So okay, so it's going on for a while. I send it down, and sometimes it's not too clever. And the kids mourning. Yeah. So in the end, I was getting two fifty off Mick and two fifty off the kids. I was getting five hundred quid, maybe it's a fortnight. Yeah. Ten days. Our last didn't have a clue because it's not a lot of money. He used to come to the club, leave the bag. Better than the gyro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So. That's going on, and I, I phones him. I says it's not working, Mick. I'm not happy. The kids, the kid can get it on his doorstep, and there's no carry on. I mean, I'm having to say, I sent the last one back to you, right? Oh, so it stops, and then uh, as Greed gets older, I, I, I get a, another phone call of a kid called Sue that who works for them, and he went, "I've got so and so, so and so pad." Cracking. Yeah. So and I started again to come down, and then I don't know for about six months. Not nobody, not anyone in the town. There's not so much greed because you also think of your family, you think of putting yeah. food on your table, course, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, because we were struggling in the club. The club wasn't paying its way. Yeah, I mean it wasn't paying its way, and it's it, and that's why we've left it. So about this is going on for a while, and I'm, and I'm getting stressed because you know, like I'm thinking, God, no, I shouldn't be doing it. She doesn't know I'm doing it, and she's getting suspicious. People coming. The courier tent, the the lad tent, the old woman. All of a sudden, she come down in a minute with Kayla's in. I was like, wow. What? So some woman out the back pulled up with a mini with Kayla's in. And I'm like, I'm like, and Debbie's going, who's that? Yeah, yeah, So like, yeah. I'm like, oh, what are you doing sending there? So like, it went like that. And I, I did pack in and I'd, I'd stopped it and that was it. And I'd, what a relief. So that was okay. And then I went to Spain. With the Kayla's in. Yeah. So I was getting ready for the night. It's the truth, yeah. It's the yeah. And, and the kid I've come down with there, Mark, my nephew, uh, I was in Spain with his dad. 
and two friends just a, a week away. And his dad died. Dad died in Spain. Oh, had a yes. massive injury, embolism. And died there and then in front of me. I was like, wow. So my head was up my ass. But I still owed Chris Welch £6,000. Right, so I, I'm, I'm trying to sort him, getting him home, because getting him home was a nightmare. It took us ages to get him home from Spain. All the insurance and that. But does normal insurance cover that? No, he, he was fully insured. out. He was oh. properly insured. He, he got took home and everything. But it's just sorted out with, with the language difference and that. Yeah. Like in... That must be fucking horrible, that, It was man. horrible. Mm. So my head was up my ass, and I, I, I packed in Donny, but I, I owed him six, six grand, and he was phoning me for it, phoning me for it. So I've, I've tried to explain to him, and he's not bothered. He's not bothered. He doesn't know Brian. He doesn't know my, my brother-in-law. So I get home. Yeah, but six grand, you know, he's a good for Yeah. He shouldn't be sweating, yeah. I think it was his drink. I think it was sold by his drink. It was, the ah. lads in jail, Chris Welch wasn't phoning me, and neither was uh, Mick Morgan. yeah. So it's, it's his drink, and he wants it. So I, I haven't actually got it. So I, I, I scrape. I, the kid eventually gives me five grand, and I'm a grand short. So I go to my mate who's worked all his life, Decker, Decker Richardson, and he lends me a grand. He goes to the bank and gets it. Yeah. He's got the band on it, right, HSBC. So I've got the six grand, so I phone so to mine, and I go, like, listen, your money's here. Come and get it. Oh, you bad man. Bring it to, I'm not bringing it to Liverpool. So I, <laughs> I, I, I meet him halfway. And I, I, I've never met anyone in a garage in my life, a, a petrol station. I bet he was this way. And I met him, and he was being followed. Oh. He was being followed. So I'm in the thing, I'm talking to him. They've got it on, it's on T-Side Live and everything. The it's video like does. It. Oh, mm. I've, I've, the six guns in the evening gazette, I've shot it on the site. They've got the cameras that are unbelievable. So we go for something to wait. We're having a chat on the machines, and I said, "No, I'm done. Yeah, Sutty, I'm yeah. finished. That's me done. You know what I mean?" And he's playing on the float machine. He won six hundred and seventy quid on the float machine. Okay, the I didn't know there was two bobbies, two bobbies playing with us as well. I didn't know you would never have known it. So, cut long story short, I go home, and I don't know you know more about it. Right, I've packed in. He goes home and gets nicked on the way home. Stop the car, and what they've done, they've zoomed in with the camera, and when I've given, he's took the six grand out. This is they got this on the yeah. thing. He's took it out and he's laying under this thing and he's put in some part of his dashboard underneath and they've got him doing that. So when they've stopped him, searched him, took the carton in his PlayStation and the six grand's there. So... He shouldn't have made it look... It should have... Just put it in his pocket. Like, put it in his fucking pocket, yeah. yeah. Just put it in your pocket. Just stash it. It looks like drugs yeah, money. Put it in your pocket. It's like, you know... He, he but I didn't know. Him. I didn't know he'd been nicked. No one for me. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's, I've paid him and I'm finished. Does so so that put a tail on you then, though? No. What, what, what happened then was they must have checked the car that I was in. Yeah. Which was my son's car. So it's something to do with Maloney. <laughs> so they've, they've got that. And then when they're doing raids in Liverpool, they raided two safe houses. And in the safe was Deathless with my name on. Mm. Then they've raided someone else's house, two phones, my name's in there, Paddy Butter. And then they raided Chris Welsh's cell. I think he was in Long Larton. I'm not sure what jail he was in. But they raided his cell. And he had two pals of them. Actually, you're all getting searched. Yeah. They found SIM cards in various places on the body. And my, my number was in there. Mm. So what they've done, my name kept popping up. This is what the officer told me, the scouse lad. He went to me, your name kept popping up. So we just come to give you a visit. So on that day, they raided... He got someone's ass with the yeah. SIM card. You know what I mean? So, in prison. So what, what happened was... I'm in bed one morning, blah, blah, blah. Bobby's come through the door. They raided me, two Scouse kids, a Welsh kid and me, at six o'clock in the morning, all at the same time. Not that I could have phoned them because I didn't even yeah. know them, didn't even know they existed. 
And now I'm thinking... It's like the start of a joke, isn't it? Two yeah. world skaters. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm in bed and I'm thinking, about two days before, my brother got nicked with a key of coke. I've never spoken to my brother for seven years. So he's been nicked with a key of coke. I mean, I called Pico. So Can't I'm even thinking, say that's fucking on consumption, can yeah. you really? So, no, so I mean, they're dragging me to the thing and they're talking to me. And I'm yeah. like, Where's the fucking money? Where's the drugs? Where's this? And I'm, I'm going, you've got the wrong kid, mate. I'm Paddy. You mean, I know who you are. I mean, you, you mean I'll bully, you, after I'll bully you on you? You couldn't think the other day. They didn't have a... Who the fuck's Billy? These Scousers didn't have a clue what I was on about because it was a Scouse place. Ah, oh, right, right. So, anyway, I got nicked and got arrested, got charged. They didn't have... I thought they didn't have anything on me, but obviously times have changed, haven't they? It's weird, that. You'd think they'd phone up to fucking Borough and have the locals, wouldn't they? What they'd done, they'd come down, they'd been in Millsborough. Well, he told me, I forgot his name now. Uh, Debbie knows, because they were talking about Northern Soul all day. I got arrested at six, six in the morning. They'd been there three days. Check, oh, right. She, I, I never had a bank account. They were checking Debbie's bank accounts because she had the social yeah. of the business accounts. And they'd come under incognito, they said, because Mills, Middlesbrough Police are supposed to be so bent. But they were staying in a nice fucking hotel. They were, they were in the Dragon Order, yeah. They were in the Dragon Order. Posh Hotel. No, several lots, no. No, Posh Hotel. So what they've done... <laughs> what they've done... <laughs> they've, they've had a search squad, right, parked in a car park somewhere, supermarket car park. Yeah, a local one. Yeah, and they didn't know where they were going until... They got the, yeah, until the bell. Said. So then, they were, they were there, they were like all over the club. So you'd also actually think it's your fucking brother though, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh yes, I thought they'd come for him now, do me. I'd, pa- I'd be packed in a few months. Yeah. I haven't spoken to no one. What do you reckon your brother will get for that a year? They got found not guilty. Really? Yeah. I've, ne- I've never been spoken, but just there, they got found not guilty. Good. Yeah, and... Uh, and what they call it, so I'm, I'm arrested and I'm thinking, well, they haven't found no drugs in my house, they haven't found no large amounts of money, they what haven't found anything. It's, it's that uh, sequence of events, mate. The, the phones. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Oh, Unbelievable. Shit, isn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The sequence of events got me. So I, he says to me, right, blah, blah, blah. There's, I'm going to go and see the club prosecution now. I think that held in England, though. I know they did it in America, they did it to us, didn't they? They're bringing all the American stuff here. But I thought it was like a sort of entrapment if you listen to your phone calls there, unless you're a terrorist. It's not, they can't use the, 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 the ones that you, you speak on, it's the text messages. And it's, ah. it's the yeah, the satellite system, tells you where you were. Yeah. The so ones in America we got done on, it was like the fucking, I'd called Sean and my phone was bugged. Now his is bugged. Yeah. He'd call yeah, someone. Yeah. And whoever picks it up, yeah, now theirs is bugged. And it's fucking hell, this big old fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's um, we had 155 fucking core defendants, man. They had, I think a they had a barrister on the case, right, who specialised in sequence of events, phone calls. He made a map out of the phone calls. Like, it was like, Neil Sudermeyer phoned you at 12 o'clock on Friday night. You spoke for five minutes. You put the phone down. Neil Sudermeyer phoned a Welsh kid. He was on the phone for seven minutes. Put the oh, wow. phone down. Then he so phoned. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. have the contents no, in the phone. No. In America, they actually have the contents. Then he phoned the another lad in Liverpool. And then he phoned you back. He went, he went to the jury. What does that tell you? And I'm like, nothing. And he went. He phoned you to see what you wanted. He phoned. The, he ordered it off the Welsh lad. Then he phoned the courier in Liverpool. They've just it made it all up. Yeah, when that's but it's oh, they might have had it right, but still, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, but the jury's the jury's go for it. So, no, anyway, you'd have just put that six grand and did a way transfer and put it in his bank. Yeah, what would they call it? My, my trial was for seven weeks, it was a massive trial. They had to split it in half because it was that many. There was 23 people on, so they split the class A and B. Yeah, so Chris, I never actually went to court with Chris Wells, but they kept mentioning his name. 
And uh, halfway through the seven weeks we were up thing, and about the fifth week, my barrister went to me, I think this isn't going how it should. I think the f- I think he fucked. Right, okay. But then, I wouldn't but I wouldn't put you down as getting fucking sent down on that. I'd have put you down as fucking getting Well my jury were out thirteen days, right? And everyone had been found guilty. There was two of us left, me and a scouse kid left. Everyone had been found guilty. There's only us two left for like three days, four days on our own. They kept coming back and going out, come back going out. And uh, the annoying part of it was the jury stood up, their foreman of the jury stood up as a woman, and she went, Your Honour, about two o'clock in the afternoon, we can't reach a verdict. We've hit a brick wall, we cannot reach a verdict. It was on a Thursday, right? Well, that's the yeah, right? Yeah, the scouts couldn't nudge me when we're going home, kid. Yeah. Right, okay. So, like, then the judge went, Listen, it's Thursday, 20 past two. Go out and fucking decide. Who wants to go to work tomorrow? That's what he said. Who wants to go to work tomorrow? Why don't you just go back to the hotel, sleep on it, come back tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. Fucking asshole. Oh, I swear oh down. my God. Come back the next day, it's unanimous. I got found guilty unanimous. I was like, what? You just want to get home now, don't they? What's it? just happened? Yeah. yeah. He just then, gave them the green light, didn't yeah. he? Gave them the green light, exactly. Yeah. They did ask for another video. Can we see that video again? And went out and found me guilty. And then, so I've, the judge said, you just can all go home, sort, sort your things out. Because you're all going to jail. But if that guy hadn't fucking made it look like a fucking drug fucking deal, yeah. it would have been all right, wouldn't it? I ended up towed up with him as well for a while in Walton. So then I, I what the call is, I decided to go home. I can go and judge as a man, but I decided to go home. I go home. So Were you mad of him? I don't get mad. It's it's one of them things. And now I can get mad wouldn't solve anything, would it? It's no. cost of doing business, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's business. And then, like, you know. I think I'd throttle a cunt. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was in enough trouble. <laughs> so I, I go home me and Debbie you talking and, and it, it caused a bit of friction between me and Debbie because I, I knew I'm going to jail but I didn't know how long for and she knew I was going to jail and like she had, I was leaving her in the late running a club on her own a workman's club which was quite hard long story short it comes to the not the much money coming in she's wondering no, where the bill's yeah. going to come from and everything so it comes to the crunch get the phone call you sentence date so and so so I travel down with, with her now Mark my nephew was coming to jail he come to drive her home I'm thinking Stop near Delphi. I, I can't explain the feeling. It's horrible. Mm. I'm, I'm smiling now, but it's because it's over. I'm happy it's over. But I'm sat in that hotel room next morning. I'm getting up. I'm sat there and I'm thinking, God, I'm not going home with these guys. I'm, I'm not going home with them. And I'm packing, packing the case. She's packing hers. And I'm looking at her. I'm thinking, God, you poor cow. And then when I goes, in, goes back in, Caroline Goodwin, my barrister, she seemed okay at first, but then she just fell flat on her ass. She was crap at the end. She went to me, yeah. Uh, goes in the little room, me and Debbie. She went, oh, yeah. I said, everything all right? She went, no, it's gone tits up, pad. What do you mean? He went, he went he's talking double figures. I went, Caroline, shut up. By now, my wife's crying and ran out. Double figures means 10, yeah? Yeah. I went, I've actually been charged with four key of amphetamine. Have a word with yourself. And she went, Paddy? He went, she, she went, he's gone back, all the way back. He thinks you're more involved. I said, I don't care what he thinks, Caroline. You can't get me 10 years for this. And I always remember, she went to me, what would you be happy with? And get me the four year you promised me. She went, again, you've got five and a half. She told me that before I even went in court. Mm. She went, you've got five and a half. I went, five and a half fucking year. For four key of amphetamine. Oh, she, she paid? No, no, no. I couldn't afford to get a paid one. See, that's it. Fucking, it yeah. fucking sucks, man. Chris Welch had a paid one and it didn't do him any good. He was already doing 16 years anyway. He was already in jail. Was he? Yeah. He got another 14. I don't think you should have got fuck all on that. 
I don't really, but you know, it, it sorted me right out the five and a half years. You know, it, it made. I reckon me... even you know what? If you want to be hard, <laughs> give you fucking six months as a fucking wake up. Four kilo amphetamines. That's for me original charge. But what he done was, you no, know, for me proceeds of four crime. kilos. Yeah, me proceeds of crime. He put it down to eighty-seven thousand pound. And this is the argument I had. Well, I was the guy that got you for that one. You've already got fucking. You've already handed six grand in. But that's what I'm saying. So the, the thing was. I've got charged with four kilos of amphetamine. The judge was saying, what to do? The water it down. This is the judge. We water yeah. it down. You cut it. Yeah. So and so. And you sell it for £10 a gram. And this is what it comes to. I went, whoa, hold on a minute. Am I a drug dealer or am I... What to call it? <laughs> am I a street dealer or am I a... You know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a supplying. You can't have it both ways. No. They can't do either that, can they? You know, 87 again. grand I got. I, had to pay a, I haven't paid. I paid a pound. I still owe them the rest. Mm. If I ever come into money, they take it. Yeah. yeah, but it, it was a horrible time, and I mean, I, I stayed down northwest. I, I bet you felt bad for your wife, didn't you? Oh yeah, and the kids, yeah, because there's lots of trolls on, you know, like your know, dad dies in jail and stuff like that. But I ended up in Walton. Did you think about fucking off? Go to Spain. I was going to mate. I was going to yeah, but what what happens? You know, you go to Spain. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to you wouldn't think you'd have to run over that yeah. if you thought it was serious and you yeah. thought you were going to get double. I was going to get ten, twelve. Yeah, probably yeah. But you've got to come back, haven't you? Something now. Yeah. Well, I, I did it. I did two yeah. and a half street robbery, and then Sean said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take you over America to keep you out of trouble." <laughs> I got into I got into a fight over there and yeah. broke the guy's jaw, and I was, I was getting done for the section eighteen, so. But as you know, it takes about 12 months to get to the fucking yeah. Crown Court and that. Mm. So while I'm waiting, Sean goes, you want to come over? So I said, to keep you out of trouble, I said, yeah, all right, I will do. And I did do it, and I ended up getting fucking eight over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's an art, drugs world's an hard world, and I'm not glorifying it, I'm not glamorising it. I know um, we've sat here and smiled, haven't we, but... Yeah, we've run out of time for this one, but I know you've got the Walton stories and you've got your Frenchy stories. Yeah. So you were worried about making time. You've got loads <laughs> you've gone, of You've gone over two it? hours. Sorry, mate. Sorry. No, no that's brilliant. That's no, exactly what we wanted. Really? You told your story yeah. really well, really, really Thank well. Why should people watching this buy your book? I mean, my book, going back to the book, The Altar Boy, I mean, please buy it. Because the Altar Boy. It, yeah, it's not all about drugs. It's not all about drugs. It's not all about violence. It's about my life story. Growing up from a, a little council estate and choosing the wrong road. My wife says... Got on the bus and got off a few wrong stops, you know. So, so. But I've paid my dues and I owe my hands up. It was all my own doing. If people want to reach out to you or message you, are you on like Facebook or anything? Yeah, I've got I've got an all of my page on Facebook and uh, Jamie set it up for me. I'm not very good with the old computers, but so yeah. all of Paddy's links to his book, Facebook. If you want to get in touch with him, are in the description box below this video. Please put down in the comments your questions and what you thought of this video today. Huge thank you to all the new subscribers. Subscription logo is in the bottom right-hand corner of this video. Huge thank you to all people who have donated on PayPal, Patreon, Just Giving, Subscribe Star. All those links are in the description box, and you enable us to keep producing these podcasts in a studio with sound engineers and, and professional cameramen and stuff like that. So we really hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Liverpool give us a hug Paddy I'm pleased by this t-shirt yes, I've got, yes, I've got yes, two t-shirts out right now I'd like you to buy them please well man t-shirts the link also in the description box below this video